Jams, Creeps and Coffee podcast. Playback begins in three, two, one. Mr. Bundy. He told me that you told him that you were going to get me. He said he was going to get me. Okay, you've got the indictment. It's all you're going to get. Let's read it. Let's go. Theodore Robert Bundy. You are charged. Indictment. Two counts burglary. Two counts murder in the first degree. Three counts attempted murder in the first degree. Design or intent to affect the death of said Lisa Lee. My chance to talk to the press. Contrary to section 78204, Florida statute. I'll plead not guilty right now. Murders that he yeah. did in the state of Florida, and like he says, I plead guilty right now. Not guilty. Oh yeah, not guilty right now. <laughs> Good oh, start. Yeah. But we all know that Ted Bundy was guilty. Yes, yes. And he is one creepy motherfucker. Right. No, he's very charismatic, isn't he? He is. He, was. he is, and but creepy at the same time. He was. Did you see his face? Like his face in that clip was a little bit kind of like and what? <laughs> yeah. And no, I don't think he comes across creepy. Uh, I think from the woman's perspective, he does. Really? Yeah. But women are obsessed with yeah, him still. Yeah, like even nowadays, like, I will hold my hands up and say that I'm partially obsessed with him because of his brain. Are you, so attra- the person are you attracted to him? Yes. Yeah. He's got something about him. And yes, Steph, I am wearing Ring. a Burn Bundy Burn t shirt. <laughs> the ones that were given out outside the prison on his execution day. Yeah, I mean. Well, what do you think is, is it that, that attracts women to serial killers? Because you do get it. You get a lot of serial killers who are in prison, they get married think... and stuff, they get fangirls. And... <laughs> There's that <laughs> meme, isn't there? The family man that if they, the serial killer says you'll do something, then you'll most likely do it. <laughs> Have you not no, seen that? No, I can't I'll have to have. post it off on like our group chat as well as on social media because it's yeah. quite funny. It makes me chuckle. No, what do you think it is about? Like, take Ted to Bundy in particular. Why do you I've... think women were so attracted and, and sexually enamoured with him? I feel uh, Bundy, like, he has that character, hasn't he? He's, like, that smiley, charming, kind of really chatty, and he just had that... Yeah. Like, everybody swooned at him, even when he wasn't he wasn't sort of guilty. Well, he didn't plead guilty. It didn't come out of, about the murders and whatnot. He just came across as a very... Innocent chap. But Charles kindly. Manson had... Uh, kindly, yeah. Charles Manson had a similar kind of... Yeah, I think because of, the, uh, like, the charisma that him. they have, mm-hmm. and, and such, that they won... The, the people over hmm. I think it's the charisma okay. of it and like psychopaths they say don't show emo- they don't have emotions but they copy emotions hmm. and I think he like a lot of the ones especially back in the 60s and 70s were able to copy the emotions of the people they saw around them hmm. yeah. not necessarily family but everyday strangers in the street yeah. and like if he saw how a em- a man was acting towards his wife. He'd copy that with yeah. the swooning, and if because he Ted Bundy frequented a lot of like pubs and like bars. So if he saw how other men were interacting with females, yeah, then he would copy that. Yeah, 
I had a, a really interesting thing on a documentary I was like watching last night actually called Fishhead, which is about uh, psychopaths. I and, don't think I've seen that and one. And a no. psychologist on it gives uh, an example of what somebody had asked him at what point, at uh, some point, what, how do you know somebody's a psychopath? And he said, this is the example I use that a psychopath will see, say, uh, an accident in the street of a mother and child and the child's been killed and the mother's screaming with uh, with pain and suffering the psychopath will hover about but focus more on the mother than the actual event and then go home and probably stare in the mirror and copy try and copy yeah. those facial yeah. expressions like we watched a, a film didn't we the other day where called The House That Jack Built and oh, I know Steph the, yeah. the next Jack day went uh, what, the day after and watched it yes I did I was and, longing for that shit <laughs> and he copied the emotions that he cut out of magazines in it didn't he yeah. in the mirror so, yeah, yeah. It was That's quite what, interesting. If you haven't seen that film, it's a really good film. It is very graphic, but yes. in the most amazing horror thriller-esque way. And coming from like a, a special effects makeup artist kind of thing, it is full of all the gruesome details. And if you like that sort of stuff, then it is full of it. And and yeah. I I I was I was full. I yeah. got my fill for that. It was amazing. Even <laughs> as a non-special effects like artist, yes. watching it was like, whoa, they've done that amazing. There's a bit with a duck. Duck in Spoiler alert, by the yeah. way. Yeah. There's a bit with a duck that's that's really quite horrible, but you figured it out, didn't you? Yes, I figured it out. Um, Don't tell them, um, let them watch it. Oh, okay, okay. But yeah. I will hold my hands up and it's and will say, in the last 10 years, it's the only film that has ever made me go, what the actual fuck, <laughs> yeah, at the TV yeah. screen. By Lars von Trier is a really good director and it's on Amazon Prime, is that where we were? Amazon it? Prime, yeah, yep. absolutely. And it's got Matt Dillon in. I thought when we were uh, when and we Uma read, Thurman. yeah, oh, Uma Thurman. Yes, Uma Thurman. Oh, it is it Uma, was Thurman. Uma Thurman. Yeah, she didn't look like her though. No. no. But when we read the blurb, I thought it said Matt Damon yeah. instead of Matt Dillon. So did I. To so be honest. all throughout the film, I was thinking, when's Matt Dim- Damon coming? <laughs> and then it clicked. No, it's Matt no, Dillon. It's Matt Dillon. Yeah. But it's really, really good. Really it was good. a good one. I, yeah. I did quite enjoy that one. I think good thing, good sort of fact about that duck thing, you know. Um, so that duck scene, um, yeah, that was reported by Peter in the day. Really? Like, there was animal activists that were sort of like, you can't do that. That's completely like unethical. And it's like, it's okay, guys. It's oh. just effects. <laughs> oh, they, they, they reported they the actually yeah. reported it. They actual... reported, yeah, there was a Peter duck. thing. Like, so it, to be honest, it, was, it did look that fluid that... It did take your brain, like my brain, a second to go. Is that real? Mm. Well, we're being very. Should we say if you don't want to listen, it's spoiler. Skip yeah. ahead thirty seconds. But in the press film, the fifteen times two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it cuts the leg off a duckling with a pair of garden shears. Yeah, yeah, and it is that fluid that you think your brain honestly goes. Wait, did I just watch that? Yeah, it's super slick how they do it. It's really yeah. awesome. Yeah, but Steph figured it out because obviously being a special effects artist, she knows what she's doing. It's a curse and a gift at the same time because <laughs> it spoils, but all also makes every film amazing <laughs> <laughs> there's some, there's some there are some really good effects in that film. yeah yeah definitely. shocking ones as well i'm absolutely terrified of dolls and again spoiler alert he turns one of the victims into a doll and it is creepy as hell it's I very it, it taxidermies a small boy essentially, yeah the sound effects made it yeah and the fact that it's a lot of the killings and a lot of what he does before the killings is very reminiscent to serial killers that we technically know and love but and it makes you put it together in your head you're like oh that's ed gein oh that's ted bundy oh that was a bit charlie yeah Yeah. that kind of thing so it's 
it's really quite funny at certain points. I mean, he's got... It's dark, funny, yeah. dark. He's got OCD, dark. so there's... I mean, we're fully going into spoilers now. Yeah, we might as well. okay. yeah. <laughs> 15 <laughs> seconds. So he's got OCD, so there's there's one of his first murders. Well, it never really gives an indication of... It takes six events during the course of his life, doesn't it? But in yeah. no particular order, so you don't really know when things happen. Because where he but stores he, the bodies, you see the pile grow bigger and bigger and bigger, but there's only six specific events that yeah. are recorded in the film. Yeah. But he has OCD, so one one uh, crime uh, murder he commits, he has to keep going back into the house to to make sure because he doesn't think he's got rid of all the blood and stuff. So it's and, and then his cop funny. nearly catches him because of it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, go watch it. We've probably spoiled it. But yeah, it's, uh, but honestly, it's definitely worth it was, watch. The last sort of chapter loses. I don't think it's as good. No. it's not that it's bad. It's still visually very interesting, but yeah, it doesn't really connect with the film I think in a fluid way it's a bit jolting I didn't really get who that guy was you know at the end he's from uh, uh, Dante's Inferno, Inferno. Virgil uh, he's supposed to be the guide that takes him through the, like the circles of hell yeah he's like the tour guide as such get you because like it was just like you know um, what's that film with Bruce Willis P- P- Pulp Fiction you know where Bruce Willis just kind of comes in halfway it's like where the hell did you come from and why yeah. It was you kind do of realise like Pulp Fiction is like different timelines. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Like, oh, well, yeah. Out, but when you first watch it, it's kind of like, why? Oh, and then it ties it all up at the end. Yes. Yeah. It was kind of like that. It was yeah. When I was watching it, I was like, why Why are you here and, and, and why are you helping? Yeah. I was, I was a little bit yeah. sort of like, yeah, yeah exactly. definitely go and give it a watch. Yeah, I've definitely. Got, um, another recommendation before we start on Instagram. Um, yeah. There's somebody we follow called uh, Kitty's, Kitty's on, the, on the Case. Kitty's on the Case. And she writes a blog, a crime blog, and it's really good. I've been checking it out this, this um, week and she chooses some... Interesting cases, yeah, to say the least. Some, yeah. Some mm. I've never heard about, ever. Yeah. And, um, I've only, yeah, really I've only read one because I've had a busy week myself, so I've not actually had a chance to sit down and read any blogs or articles. Yeah. But yeah. from that one that I read, it was like, whoa, yeah, she, no, I, she I, knows I, her shit. I spent a... a Few hours on afternoon yeah. just going through it so it's oh, it's really? kitties on the kitties on the case kitties on the case yeah without any underscore without any like it's on like, instagram like pronoun- pronunciation no close enough well, uh, my, underscores no un- no underscores no like gram like it's all one word yeah it's all one word and yeah. we really do want to thank her for her support because she's been liking and commenting on a lot of our posts so yeah a big shout out to you kitty thank you very much whoop, whoop, big up yeah and if you've got any interesting cases that you think that you would like us to cover send them our way yeah, yeah because not just any interaction we like yeah. to we like to hear from you guys we like the community the community like the true crime community definitely is yeah. 100% on the ball and they are so supportive of each other so a big Absolutely. shout out to her and everybody else in the community well, there's a lot of talent as well because yeah. the way she presents the stories are really they flow really nicely yeah they're, they're really great yeah get in so, yeah. you so, go girl what what are you not going to introduce us oh yeah considering that we've been talking for the, like the last 10 minutes <laughs> yeah I thought we might as well introduce ourselves so you guys should know me by now I'm Charlotte and we've got Steph in the room. That's me. And we've got Nicholas. Hello, campers. Hello, campers. Ding mm-hmm. dong. Wait, what? No, let's not ding dong anymore. No. Oh, oh. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no. I meant to do the hidey high thing. Did that, can we talk? Did that get irritating? Are you allowed to say that? What? Or is that going to be sort of. Um... Yeah, let's not go no. there. <laughs> <laughs> let's 
let's not go there just in case. <laughs> but the people at home won't get that reference, probably. Oh, uh, yeah, that... because uh, Steph is not only a special effects makeup artist, she's oh. also Here famous. We well, we've dabbled. She's been on TV a couple of times now, but the main big show that she's been on is Glow Up with Stacey Dooley, Nick Stacey Bay. Stacey Dooley. Yeah. I love Nick's Stacey Dooley. She was lovely. Um, so, yeah, Steph got really far in like the competition. It was good. We got, we got a few photos and a few jobs out of it. It was good. Yeah. Really and good. she met a couple of great, amazing makeup artists. Oh my gosh! So look at her fangirling, and this is a, <laughs> this is somebody who works in the industry fangirling. Yeah, so. I'm still processing most of it. So I like Tiff. She was my favourite. Tiff. She seemed nice. Tiff yeah. was lovely. Everybody was really lovely. It was just yeah. you just want to munch them all, love bless them. And then not just that though, you've got your actual industry people that you met as well. Oh my gosh. Yes. I got I've got to say my most favourite round was going to Harry Potter World and doing makeup over at the Harry Potter Warner Brothers Studios. My god, that is my dream job to go and work for that franchise because I am just a huge entire We are fan. Harry Potter nerds, let's yes. be honest. I'm yes. Not. You've watched the films with me. I like the films, but I wouldn't say um Shush. Okay. Stop talking. Okay. Stop talking. <laughs> I'd like it a lot more if J.K. Rowling didn't change yeah, well, things. Yeah, yeah, that. Week. But I, mean, yeah. I am full Slytherin. I do not care. I am yes. full Slytherin. Whoop, whoop. I downloaded the app, the game thing. That was you did. You for did. A day. I think. Yeah. What house are you in? Slytherin, I think. <laughs> yeah, you're a yeah. Slytherin. Steph, you're a Slytherin too, I am aren't a Slytherin, you? Yes, I so am. a bunch oh, of right, Slytherins, yeah, cool. which they're the cool ones. They are. <laughs> Anybody can understand that reference, reference let me know. <laughs> a bit of a dry throat. So what have we got today on the show? So we've got a true crime story today. I'm featuring, well, it's my true crime story. Get no, in. it's not my true crime story, but I'm reading the true crime story. <laughs> and I'm telling you all about Mary Bell. So I'm going to go into what she did and the psychology behind her. Steph, what are you doing today? Today I am going into a very, very English topic of the ghosts of Henry VIII's wives. Ooh, so, a bit of history thrown in there. It is. We're getting like full-on education going on up in here, as well as the final resting places of his late wives. And late him, I suppose, now being it's, it's, yeah, it's been a while ago. Yeah, dead, yeah. Yeah, it was a while ago. So I think we should start this off then. So I'm going to be doing the story of Mary Bell. Yay! Okay, so... Caring, really? Yeah, it's, I'm excited. Let's do this. Okay. Mm. okay, so Mary Bell was born May the 26th, 1957 in Scottsdale, Newcastle-upon-Tyne. Cool. She was born to an unwed mother who was just 17 herself. I'll go into details about Mary in a little bit because first I want to speak about her victims. Okay. So Mary's coral urges surfaced on May the 11th in 1968. Mary, who was at the time 10 years old, was playing with her friend Norma Bell. Norma was no relation to Mary. It was literally same name, next door neighbour. Well, they're okay. the same age. Norma was a year older than Mary. Okay. But I'll go into it a little bit later, but she was at a lower mental age than Mary. Okay. Right, okay. They were playing with a little three-year-old boy on top of an air raid shelter. In Scottsdale, Newcastle upon Tyne, there was a lot of abandoned buildings because it was a very rough area. Okay. And because of the war, there was air raid shelters around that had been abandoned, forgotten about. Okay. The tin-style ones covered yeah. with earth. Yeah, covered yeah. with the earth. But they were forgotten by the adults as such, but played with by the kids. I'd love that. Really? Yeah, like yeah, a little secret cool. den. Yeah, it's, yeah, cool. it's yeah. a ready-made den, isn't it? Yeah, Ooh. true. Just filled with death <laughs> so the little boy fell and i say fell with that kind of accent because he was pushed <laughs> so not fell so <laughs> didn't fell but everybody said he fell 
Right. Off the top of one of these. Off things. the top of one of the air raid shelter, of this mm. air raid shelter, and he was severely hurt. So they're quite big then, really. They are. Okay. The, the well, little boy was three as well, so okay. a small fool can seriously hurt yeah. a little child. Yeah, I think they're what, eight, eight, nine feet tall. You yeah, have to stand you, up in one. You could stand right. it up in them and that, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. I think they were four feet off the flat ground, but went two feet further down into the ground. Oh, so you could stand up, yeah. Okay, fair enough. The fall was written off as an accident. Right. But about a week later, the little boy did die. Wow. Okay. So I'll put these up on social, obviously, but yep. here is a photo of Mary. Okay. She's got eyes. She's she got, doesn't do She's got the eyes. eyes. She's got like one protruding tooth as well, or is that just me? No, no. No, no, that. no, yeah. Yeah. She has. Um, this one here, that's Norma. Mm. Okay. Okay, so... They look quite normalish. Looking. Standard normal yeah, little girls. Absolutely. I would have thought that's a little boy if you hadn't told me that's a little girl. I don't know. I did just... originally think that, and I did double check a few other images, and nope, that was definitely Norma. Just looks... Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So. I think it's a haircut. Yeah, I think <laughs> it is. It's quite boyish for that age, like quite short. Yeah. So, on the 12th of May, there was three little girls, and they reported to their parents, like their mums, that Mary Bell had attacked and choked them. The mums then reported this to the police. She was interviewed and lectured by the police, but that was basically it. Right. And according to the official report, it states the girls' bell have been warned to their future conduct. That's the actual quote. That's the actual quote from the official report. Okay. Um, By the way, guys, I'm getting all of this information off multiple different websites, such as like Metapedia, a lot of news articles like that were released at the time and have been released since. Yeah. I also watched a couple of YouTube documentaries on it, as well as. Oh, I mentioned a book later on. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it that book is Mary Bell's own personal story. Oh, right. And I took a lot of it from that written by well. Mary Bell. No, not written by Mary Bell. Written by another lady, I think, called Getty. Getty something. But again, I'll go. I'll talk about that in a little bit. Okay. So you did your research. I did my research, and so that was it. That was the official report. The thing is, though, ten days later, Mary murdered her first victim. Yeah. How old is she again? Sorry. She was ten. Why is it's the first? Is the small boy not classed as one of her murders then? No. Because it was. She never confessed to that. It was a never confession. No confession to it, and that it was ruled as accidental. But it was very. But it was very suspicious. But very suspicious that Mary and Norma were playing with him. Yeah. And he fell off. And the way you talk about it, it has been attributed to her as a murder now. Yeah. Because, again, from news articles that I was reading, it's like, no, it's a little, it's one of the progressive steps. Yeah, okay. I mean, okay. it does sound very coincidental that it's, like, literally ten days before her, like, first proper signed-off murder. Yeah, and it was, they attribute it to her because it's quite similar. What did the little boy, how did he, what injuries did he sustain to cause his death, do you know? There was, obviously, fractured skulls, mm-hmm. oh, wow. the full. It's quite a long time after for him to to die, isn't it? Yeah, but they would have taken him to hospital and he Mm. would have, like, he had broken bones. And obviously, that, like, in the the late 60s, they weren't very good at internal No, it wasn't as advanced as we are now. Yeah. And so he would have been bleeding internally. Oh, okay. 
and that sounds horrible, but that is a very, very slow death. Hmm. So, oh, yeah, it's a slow bleed, isn't it? Yeah, and so there was that attributed it, and I think there was also a bleed on the brain. Okay. From what I was reading, because he'd got a fractured skull, Ooh. so it was a bleed on the brain. And you've got to think that young children have very soft bones. Mm-hmm. Mm. They're quite so, spongy. Yeah. So a lot of it could have been absorbed into that as such. Yeah. Okay, so on so ten days later, on the twenty sixth of May, two boys were playing in an abandoned house and they found the body of little Martin Brown. Yeah, I'm little Martin Brown. Martin Brown had last been seen at three fifteen PM, but his body was discovered at three thirty. So here's a picture of Martin. Aww. Sweet little innocent Martin. He is really cute and sweet. With the blonde hair as well. Blonde hair. So Martin was just four at the time of his death. He lived with his parents, George and June, and his baby sister, Linda. On his last day, he got himself up, washed and dressed, had breakfast of sugar pops and milk, grabbed his anorak and shouted, ta as he left the house to play. That was the last time his mother ever heard his voice. That's so sad. June, his mum, remembers Martin being a happy bundle of fun and a grinning little boy. As he was her firstborn, he was used to running around the house doing what he liked. His favourite song was Yellow Submarine and he used to sing it constantly. Aww, that's such a joyous song to keep singing. It is, it's a good song. (laughs) Probably a bit annoying. Uh, Yeah, but firstborn, you tend not to get told off as much as the secondborn. I think I'd rather that than... I don't know, what, what shit do we have these days? Oh, oh like Frozen. That, uh, Let like it the, go. Oh, the nearest Disney that they have going on at the time. I mm. think I'd rather Yellow Submarine. Yeah. Fair <laughs> so Martin was found by the two boys who had been foraging for scrap, scrap wood. His body was found on his back next to a window with blood and saliva trickling down the side of his cheek and chin. This was in like a warehouse, an old this factory? This was in an abandoned house. Oh, an abandoned house, sorry. Panicked, the boys called out to the construction workers who were working next door in another abandoned house. Oh, so there was people around then? Yeah, there was. There was construction workers next door because one of the issues with Scottsdale at the time was a lot of the houses were abandoned because people couldn't afford to live there. Yeah. Even though it's a very rough area. Back in the day, people didn't have the money. No. Or, to, well, we were... or to maintain properties, I'd imagine. Yeah. Because old towns like that, where the, the houses used to be predominantly Victorian, didn't they? So... Yeah, they were all very much Victorian terrace houses. Mm. And it's post-war, I suppose, at that point. So Yeah. yeah they might have been bombed to shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So the construction workers raced upstairs and tried to revive the little boy. Unfortunately, he was already dead. Yeah. One of the boys who had found Martin saw Mary and Norma coming towards the house where Martin's body was. Mary had brought Norma there to show her the body. They didn't leave until police told them to leave. Oh, so they weren't going anywhere? They weren't going anywhere. So Norma wasn't involved in the murder of this child? You'll find out in a little bit, okay? Okay. Okay. That golden nuggets for later. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But she, she definitely murdered him and then went and got Norma and then came back kind of thing. Again, we'll talk about that in a okay, little bit. Okay? The girls went to find Martin's aunt and told her that Martin was dead and that there was blood all over. Right. Strangely, though, the police could not find any signs of violence. Yeah, right. There was a bottle of aspirin left nearby to, of Martin's body, and with no visible marks on his body, the police did not call the criminal investigations team, and his death was ruled accidental. Yeah. 
aka they thought it was an accidental overdose oh. from the aspirin. Oh, they thought the little chappy had grabbed some and ran off yeah. and yeah. Or that he'd found them like when he was out playing and he was like, oh, the sweeties, I'll take them. Hmm. And Mary, but they described it as proper che- Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, right. blood everywhere. That's so strange. Which is what well, was strange because the police didn't find any blood except a little bit trickling down his chin. Yeah, I mean, I suppose at that point, if I was the police, I'd be like, well... They didn't know about it at this time. Yeah, they, but... They're saying this to Martin's aunt. Oh, oh, right, okay, fair enough. People of the community couldn't let his death, like, go. No. And they protested about the dangerous conditions of the abandoned buildings in the area. Yeah. Meanwhile, Mary and Norma were asking creepy, unusual questions to Martin's aunt. No, what? what? Questions such as, do you miss Martin? <sighs> do you cry for him? Does June cry for him? Where were they asked? Well, they went up to her house and just yeah. started asking her these. Yeah. That's so creepy. That's bizarre. You open the door and there's two little devil children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you miss him? Is like, that it is. It's very much very like weird. Doctor Who. Are you my mummy? Children of the corn voice. Yeah. No. <laughs> Whilst they were asking these questions, now this is the creepy bit, Ugh. they were smiling throughout. I absolutely hate that. I, I, I really, that's one of the things that really grinds my gears is when somebody is delivering something horrible and sinister and they've got a great big smile on their face. I just want to just, just, no! <laughs> just slap them down. Yes! <laughs> His aunt eventually told them to go away. Yeah! <laughs> they did, but they went to bother somebody else instead. Ugh. They decided to visit June, Martin's mother. Yeah. So June heard a knock on their front door. And she opened it and found Mary and Norma standing there. Righto. Mary smiled, cute little girl smile, and asked if she could see Martin. June replied, no pet, Martin's dead. Mary, her grin broadened. She turned around and went, oh, I know he's dead. I wanted to see him in his coffin. No, who does that? No, no. <laughs> June was speechless, of course. Yeah. Slammed the door in Mary's face. The day after Martin's death, was Mary Bell's 11th birthday, and she partied. What did she do for a 10-year-old? By partied, I mean she tried to throttle Norma's sister. Oh, okay. I mean, that was my second thought of a party. Norma's sister was a year younger than her, and it was only luckily Norma's father saw what Mary was doing and pushed her hands away and clipped her shoulder that she stopped. Okay. She would have killed her, maybe. So she would have killed Norma's sister. Mm. Thank goodness for that guy. Yeah. Oh, and when I say clipped, I'm not sure if that's just a British terminology, but that means, like, give him a slap across the shoulder kind of thing. Yeah, like clip up the ear roll. Yeah. Mm. Mary, though, wasn't finished. And she decided to vandalise the day nursery at Woodlands Crescent. The nursery was attached to the school, so it was an area that she knew very well. Right. Teachers at the nursery arrived on the Monday to find that it had been ransacked. School supplies were strewn about, cleaning materials left splattered on the floor, but the most disturbing thing was four scribbled notes that were left behind. Right. So, I have a picture of three of the notes. Okay. I think one of them's been held back for legal reasons. Yeah. As if anything ever comes apart late from this further. Even in today's times, they can still use it in court, so I don't yeah. think they want it released mm. to the public. On historical offences and all yeah. that. Throughout all of this, I've got to keep reminding myself that she's only 10. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's 11 now. Oh, she's no. just had a birthday, she had a she's birthday. 11. Sorry. So the first note was written, I murder so that I may come back. Okay. And that's how it looks. Again, I'll put 
all of these up on social. It's a really weird choice of words. It yeah. is. But you can tell it's been done by and children, the, though, The I guess. so is big. It's like an emphasis on the so. Yeah. It's um, I quite strange. Sign. It's just not, yeah, it's an odd choice of words. The second note, right, these are going to sound weird because they're not spelt correctly. So I'm going to read off how they were written. Okay. And so, yeah. So, fuch of, we murder, watch out, fanny and faggot. Okay. I'm presuming it's meant to say, fuck off, we murder, watch out, fanny and faggot. Right. This is the one that I can't find, like, a photo reference for. Okay. All right. The third note, we did murder Martin Brown, fuck off, you bastard. Okay. Again, I have a photo of that one. Is she telling Martin to fuck off? Yeah, it's very strange. I mean, they've got to be expecting somebody to read it at some point. Yeah. I'll get I'll get to that. It's like okay. it's, can I have a look okay. at that? Oh, sorry, I didn't see yeah. that one. There's that one. That's the There's third something note. weird about the writing in that one. Yeah. Again, yeah. I'll get into that in yeah. a little bit. Okay. The fourth and last note. You are mycy. Why be curse we murdered it. Martango Brown. You Betty. Look out there, our murders about by Fanny and Ald Faggot, you screws. Mousy, did you say? Yes. Sorry. <laughs> say that again. I got lost in that one. You got lost in this one. Okay. It's just a jumble of words. Words, yeah. You are Micey. Micey. Why? Because we murdered did Martin Go Brown. You Betty, look out there, our murders about by Fanny and and old faggot, you screws. That is gibberish. Is what does micey mean? Micey translates to idiot in Newcastle, apparently, from what I could find online. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm sure somebody will tell us that's wrong. It's probably wrong, but from what I could find sure. out online, but, it yeah, that's gibberish. Translate. Oh, the other book, sorry, was Talking with Female Serial Killers yeah. by Christopher Lee Berry, and I did get a few things from that one as well and oh, okay. he he was he was the one that i got that translation from my cv newcast right. and that is the oh. actual message which is as you can see all over the place it's what, just it's, it's like the second one the first one seemed quite concise because it was shorter but these, these other ones seem mm-hmm. all over the place for some reason yeah and it's and funny well. seems to be underlined yeah they got, yeah they like the word funny and faggot as well yeah, because they've used that one twice. Which I mean, at least they've got alliteration in there. Yeah, funny and faggot, funny and then faggot. Can I have a look at the the first note again? No, right. <laughs> because I know what you want to do, and you can wait until I do handwriting no, analysis. No, no, it's not that. I just want to read it again. It's Are it, you sure because the thing is that the first note it it sort of that's the um, first note. I'm not giving you it because I don't want you to slide across. I won't. I'll literally hold it in this hand. There is that okay? <laughs> no sliding across. I can confirm it's, there is no sliding. How perfect going on right now? Please don't. <laughs> it's I murder so that I may come back. It's like she's got a a grander idea than just a. a 11-year-old yeah. should about why yeah. she would kill people. It's like she's gathering souls or something. Yeah. There, do, there does seem to be a, a, an inclination that there's going to be more or something. At it, it's point. like a conceptual thing. It's, I'm sorry. It's all weird. I can think of is, come, my children, come to these souls. Just by an 11-year-old. By an 11-year-old, yeah. <laughs> did she ever, if, if you're going to go into this, don't tell me, obviously, but did she ever go into the meaning of that? Kind of. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we we can decipher it a little bit. Okay. Okay, okay. As you guys can tell, and for the listeners out there, these notes are not 
cohesive. No. 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 They're not correct in their spellings and their grammar is just dreadful. I am full on being a grammar Nazi. It's just dreadful. I like to, I like to think a teacher came in the next day and found those and like <laughs> marked them. Red it. F. F. That's spelled wrong. Red pen through that. That's not how you write it. Because she has got grammar in there. There is commas. There's, there's everything full in there. Stops, yeah, there's everything. There's capitalization just not in the right place story of my life really i'm not gonna lie (laughs) sexual slurs yeah there's a bit insults there's a bit of slander a bit of finger pointing it's a whole heap of mess for an 11 year old a a smorgasbord of uh nonsense i love that word smorgasbord what what is that word smorgasbord is it a jewish word i think i think i think it's like a, a platter of food yeah, a smorgasbord. Have you never heard the term smorgasbord before? No. Well, there you go. I've gifted yeah. you that. There we go. That's you learned something new today. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. I'm going to take that. <laughs> but do you want to know what the police did? Um, Probably not a lot. <laughs> they... Steph was right. Okay. <laughs> they collected them, took them back to the station and filed them away as a sick joke. Oh. Didn't That's fingerprint it. them or anything or that it's kind of government. The 60s. Yeah, fingerprints were... No, but they thought it was a sick joke. Okay. Interesting. What? People dying? Yeah. was a sick joke. Okay, all right. Mary would later admit that she wrote the notes for a giggle. As you do. There was no underlining reason for it. Oh, right, okay. Just that she wanted a giggle to wind people up. Okay. But it was quite damning, really. I mean, she literally mentions the victim's name in some of them. Yeah. Okay, all right. That's disappointing, actually, because I thought there would be something in the first note that obviously wasn't there. No. She literally. But it must have come up from somewhere in her mind. Again, I'll go on about that in a little bit because of the psychology that would possibly help her write those. Okay. But she admits that no bigger picture, just for shits and giggles. Okay. Interesting. As this wasn't the nursery's first break in, they decided to install an alarm system. Friday of the same week, the nursery alarm went off. Mary and Norma were caught red handed. Of course. But they denied breaking in before, and the police believed them. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Okay. They were released back into their parents' custody whilst they were waiting for a date to be set for them to appear at juvenile court. Okay. So they got told off for this. So they got a slap on the wrist, really? They got a slap on the wrist, yeah. and it wasn't really punishment. It was just, a, I'll go home to your mum and dad, it's fine. Yeah. But yeah. You, like every everything that you say, you have to just keep reminding yourself that these are 11-year-old children, and yeah. like looking from a point of view of a police person, you, you don't really expect no. a 10-11-year-old no. slash to be doing these things. So. No. Even, even now. Yeah. It's very hard to find. Like, yeah. Children that are willing to do this. Yeah. At that, that time, time, compelled, I think. Yeah, compelled, that's a better word. Yeah. Sorry. But I think, remembering at 11, 12, all I wanted to do was play games, like yes. play with my Barbies, well, play dress up, paint. To that's them, it. It, it does sound like a game. Yeah. Yeah. It's there just a very that. warped, extreme game. Yeah. So a week later, Mary attacked Norma. Okay. Who needs enemies when you got a friend like that? <laughs> and a, a little boy that went to school with them saw Mary scratch Norma and kick her in the eye. That's one high kick. That is one. Well, she, no, I think Norma was on the ground at the time. Oh, oh okay. But at the time, <laughs> she was... Hiya! <laughs> 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 Chuck Norris style. Yeah. Come flying across the playground. Yeah. <laughs> I have you now. <laughs> well, no, not I have you now, screaming at the top of her voice, I am a murderer! Oh, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So, didn't give a flying shit what people around her thought, but the boy laughed it off because Mary was a bit of a show-off. 
Right. She liked to exaggerate, so he like, thought she's just exaggerating. Like kicking somebody in the face. <laughs> or screaming, I'm a murderer. <laughs> okay. What do you mean by she used to exaggerate? Like she would tell stories as if to say, oh, I did this this weekend with my mum and dad. I did this. I did that. Not so she did it dad. for effect then, really? Yeah, but they okay. were all exaggerations while kids... And, she no. was a bullshitter. She was a billy bullshitter, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, towards the end of July, Mary visited the Howe residence. I'll go into the Howe's in a minute, so don't ask any questions. I'm looking at you, Nicholas. (laughs) I like questions. I know you do. (laughs) So, she visited them because she had something to tell them. Okay. I know something about Norma that will get her put away, straight away. Oh, the Sorry, who are the Howe's? What did I just say? Okay. (laughs) What instruction, (laughs) Nick? I like how I did teach him. What did I just say? You did. You really did. (laughs) She then went on to tell them, Norma put her hands on the boy's throat. It was Martin Brown. She pressed and he just dropped. She made the point of grabbing her own throat and and did a choking gesture on it. So she did a visual demonstration of the whole entire ordeal. Amazing. And Martin Brown's the boy in the abandoned house. Yes, that's right. Okay. She did that, demonstrated what Norma did. Hmm. Literally turned around and up and left. Oh, that's a nice visit. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it's a banded visit. Why not? It was just a few days later that Mary would kill Brian Howe, the Howe's family's little boy. Oh. Yeah. Did did she know of him before that visit? Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, because Scottsdale, everybody knew everybody. Oh. You had your back doors open all the time. Yeah. Front doors and back doors open all the time. Kids would just come in and out. Yeah, it was like a small village being in everybody else's business. Yeah, okay. and back in the six, like in the sixties as well, everybody knew everybody, especially yeah. in your neighbourhood. Yeah, we all have an open door policy. Yeah, I think that's the quote the mom actually uses in the documentary. I won't. But watched actually what? open door policy. Oh really? Yeah. I feel like everybody used to live that way. Not 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 now though. No, God, I not. remember when I were a lad. When I were a lad. <laughs> Back in my day, <laughs> and it used to be like that. Yeah, it was good. And like have friends coming in and out, and yeah, you know, it seems yeah. to be a lot more because we grew all grow grow. We grew We we've all grown <laughs> up in a relatively working class area, and yeah, it, it used to be like that. Yeah, definitely really around my way, yeah. like Because I live on a council estate. I'm not yeah. ashamed. So does Steph. So do We're I. not ashamed. I don't. You don't because you're middle class. You're middle <laughs> class. But it literally was, I knew everybody on my block. Yeah. And that I would could knock on my friend's door and they'd be like, oh, she's just popped up the shop. She'll be back yeah, in yeah. a minute. And call on people. She, mm. And the mum tended to be like, want, want a drink? And yeah. then you'd wait there for your friend to get back. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't do that now. Could I mean, we, I would not want to do that no, now. I found a dead body in the, on my front door the yeah. other week, so yeah, we definitely couldn't do that now. It wasn't <laughs> on your door, was it? it was... Well, it was like Opposite, it was on my yeah. road. It was on my road. It was like yeah. I could see it from my front door. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like I. If I hadn't been the... murdered though, had they? No, I did. <laughs> yeah, okay. but I'm in the house on my own, and I make sure every single door and window is locked. Yes. Me and Charlotte were watching uh, somebody the other day across from where oh, she yeah. lives. <laughs> There's a, a, oh. a, gra- a, a green area, um, a grass sort of small... It's called the green. Yeah, it's called the green. Small area of glass, grass. Not it, Well, <laughs> lots yeah. of glass. I don't words I'd say. <laughs> so there's no roads, just a walkway, this bit of grass, and then another walkway in the houses. And there was a guy Sorry. hanging out of the uh, upstairs window, pretty much naked, throwing kettles, ironing boards, plates. Cutlery. Yeah, <laughs> shouting at the top of his lungs, what do you say, you won't get me, bastards? Or something? You won't get me! You're my parole officer. I'll pay you £10 to go away. Oh, By well. the way, the police are stood there listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was sat there 
ready to get a beer out and watch it because they're about to raid him. <laughs> but then I'm like, no, we need to go to work at the auction. Let's go. Mm, an auction we work on on a Tuesday night. And I was really disappointed yeah. that we had to leave. We didn't say him go in. But then Charlotte's mum texted us and said, there were all these, there was probably about 20 police outside the front about of this guy's. <laughs> About ten, I, I counted more them. Than that. I counted okay, them. Fair enough, ten. <laughs> so there was ten police outside this guy's house, and uh, Charlotte's mum texted us and said, "Oh, he ran out the back. They didn't put one single policeman around the back of this house." <laughs> yeah, common sense, guys. Common yeah. sense. We know you do a great job, but just that little bit more. Put somebody around the back. Please. So getting back to Mary Bell, with like a little hat on. Shush. Back to Mary Bell now, yeah. please. Because <laughs> we're going to talk about Brian. Okay. So Brian Howe was three years old when he was killed. Okay. He was young and he looked it. Aww. He had curly blonde hair and a baby face. And yes, I have a photo of him. No, I was hoping you weren't going to say that. I'm good with the photos. I like photos because they give me people to reference. This is Brian. Again, I'll post this up on social media. He's, he's quite similar looking to the previous one. He is. She definitely had a type. She's, he's got like a cherub vibe going on. Yeah. Is that a painting or a photo? That is a photo. Okay. I think he's about to say it's like a yeah, pentagon. But it's just a like cropped photo. Okay. Okay, because yeah. it was a bigger picture. Okay. okay. So Brian lived with his dad, his teenage sister Pat, and his baby brother. His mother had died not long after his brother was born. I hate it because now that you've put the picture down, I'm sort of listening to you say the story and then just looking into his eyes as he's sort of looking at us from the floor. I'm like, oh my gosh, you poor little baby. Okay, carry on. Really, I just, I just, I don't know if it's my sociopathy show, but I don't, (laughs) I don't really get that with, uh, with child murders. I don't see them as, I think, I understand why they're worse. I just don't emotionally I think because you're male as well. For child murders than any other murder. I think you're male as well. Because for me and Steph, like, I will admit that I don't want children, but I do still have that maternal gene. Yeah, you're good with kids. Sorry? You're good with kids. Yeah, but I I like the fact I can hand them back. Yep. Yes. I I ain't got time for them. (laughs) But I still have that maternal gene of wanting to look after. Yeah. And they're so innocent. Yeah, Mm. yeah. We're supposed to be the responsible adults at the end of the day, I guess. Yeah. No, I, d- I just don't get that emotional feel from it. I know it is worse. I know objectively yeah. it's worse than an, ad- an adult being murdered, but I just emotionally I don't I don't see it feel yeah. especially more for a child than I would an adult yeah. being murdered. That, that's a lo- I don't think a lot of men would admit that, but I think a lot of men feel that would relate to that. Yeah, well, yeah, unless certainly. it's our own child, obviously. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's different then. Okay, fair enough. I mean, so, from me. Sorry, carry on, Steph. No, sorry, move on. Well, I was just going to say that, like, for me, it's the innocence, I suppose, of a child. So, like, it's you—they've essentially done nothing wrong. So, they—they've yeah. done wrong. They're wrong in the They've not learned world. Anything, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, but to me, a child can still grow up to be a, a complete. Oh bastard. yeah. I'm yeah. Just... But at that point, at like the time of his murder, he was just this innocent little. Yeah. No, I understand that. Boy. I understand that completely. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying, from a personal standpoint, I can't seem to can't empathise anymore with yeah. with child murders. Is, and... That's fine. Yeah. That's not a problem. Psychopath. It's fine. I thought it was a sociopath. <laughs> yeah, you are a sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> Brian had a constant companion, though. Okay. A black and white dog called Lassie. Ah. It was that little bit that I was like, oh, he's got a poochie. No. Oh, please tell me the poochie's all right. Poochie's okay. Okay. That's good. <laughs> I like how you can empathise with the dog. I don't really like dogs. <laughs> if it was a cat involved, then ooh. Okay. <laughs> Nail biting still. There isn't a cat involved, is there? Somewhere. Don't look like that. Oh. <laughs> if there's a cat involved, I'm going to weep. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Kinda, kinda. But I'll get into time. that in a bit. Okay. 
Okay. Okay, so I'm going to go into how Brian died and everything, and I just want to pre-warn you, it does get a little bit graphic. <sighs> okay. So, especially when I come up to it, I'll again trigger warning anybody, and you can skip ahead 15 seconds, but at the moment it'll be okay, but I'll pre-warn you right before. So, Brian died on the 31st of July in 1968. He should have been home by 5pm, and when he wasn't, his sister Pat went looking for him. Pat was obviously worried about her little brother, as he usually played close to home. On her search, Mary and Norma came up to her. Are you looking for your Brian? Mary asked. When Pat said yes, Mary and Norma eagerly offered to help search. They led Pat all through the neighbourhood. They looked around occasionally. Eventually, they led Pat to an area known as Tin Lizzy. The area was a wasteland of industrial items and children of Scotswood would often play there. Mary pointed out some large concrete blocks, suggesting that he might be playing behind the blocks or between them. It's very specific. Norma responded, Oh no, he never goes there. Pat decided to return home to see if he had arrived back. Little did she know, his tiny body was in fact between those concrete blocks. No, and they pointed that out. They pointed that out. Bastards. Brian's body was found by the Newcastle police at 11.10pm that night. He was found covered in grass and purple weeds. Like Martin, he had been strangled. And I say like Martin, because of the protesting and... The, I think the absolute agony that the family had gone it through. Mm-hmm. They decided to do another autopsy on little Martin's body. Right. And they found strangulation marks. Was he buried by this point, though? No. No. Oh, okay. No. So he was no. still about in the... Well, he's buried now. Yeah, yeah. Like, when Brian died. Right. He was buried. Okay. But they waited... Because they, of the protesting and stuff yeah. about the abandoned buildings and how it's very unusual for children to die. He is. Like that. They waited and did an autopsy on him and found strangulation marks. Right. Because from your Dennis Nielsen episodes, remember yep. that strangulation takes a few days for it to appear? Yep. Yeah, I find that really odd. It's, I, I always assume that you'd strangle somebody and there'd be a mark straight away. But then thinking about it, when you hit yourself, it's normally a day or yeah. so after that you find a bruise or yeah. something, isn't it? So You've it, got to wait for the process to happen, essentially. So, yeah. so what does happen in, in bruising? How does that occur? Well, I did a on this the other day, didn't yeah. I? So um, it's just basically the uh, the breaking of capillaries under the skin. So you've, um, it's a drainage system. So you have the, the, the leakage of the blood underneath the skin, which then goes into the reddening. So you get the erythema reaction um, under the skin um, and it just looks a bit red. And then it goes into its purple, um, bluish kind of phase. Um, when it's essentially being like drained away back into the body and then sort of into the system. Essentially, well, why does it go brown and purple and blue? And what's what's that? Is that blood? Is it? Mm, it is blood, but it's the different oxidization. Yeah, it's the oxidization and um, and the different sort of proteins and whatnot that sort of come to sort of take those um, bits away from that area. So it just generally kind of loses its coloration okay. so it's kind of like the oldening of blood i guess with like the additions of the oxidization and the and the proteins and what's, what's take the purpose of a, a bruise why does the body bruise because do you know that because normally when our body has a reaction something gets for a purpose whether it's it's trauma really to fight infection or it's it's i it's suppose it's just trauma, trauma. Okay. yeah yeah so because it's just the the blood seepage of the the trauma impact or of the the action that's that's made that injury so it's the body healing from that injury okay fair enough yeah oh wow i didn't know that last bit (laughs) yay science and stuff nerdings high five (laughs) high five (laughs) yeah 
<laughs> Nearby to Brian's body, there was a pair of scissors. Trigger warning, guys. Okay. okay. I don't like it that you're saying trigger warning right after the scissors. This isn't good. Brian had puncture marks on his thighs, <gasps> and his genitals had been partially skinned. Oh. Yeah. Clumps of his hair had been cut away, and his belly had been signed with an M, although this would not be apparent for several days. Signed oh, right. with an M with the scissors. With a blade. Yeah. yeah. So it didn't go, it didn't cut through the flesh, it was like a graze mark, that's why it showed yeah. up a few days later. Yeah. Okay. Because it took a while for the blood to pull into that into area. that area, yeah. Whilst at this time he would have had liver mortis. Yeah. So the blood would have been pulling on his back. Yes, liver mortis. Liver mortis. What's what's liver mortis? Liver mortis is the blood drainage to the the highest point of gravity. So all blood from the top of your body, if you're lying on your back when you die, will drain to the back of your body. Mm -hmm. If you're laying on your front, it will drain all the way to the front. Which is why sometimes, if police detectives have to turn a body over, Mm. they see blood trickling out of eyes, nose cavities. It's just gravity doing its work. Gravity's pulling it down or up as Mm. such. And that's how police detectives also can tell if a body has been moved or if a crime has been staged Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Because liver mortis tells them, okay, this person died laying on their back, but we found them on their front. What what do the parts of the body look like that are being drained of blood? Does it go sort of wrinkly? Does it go... No, it just goes definitely white yeah just white i don't know whether it's like when you're in the bath I, I because swear yes. I heard you've still technically got moisture in you yeah mm. yeah you've still got your water content of your muscles and stuff okay it's just the blood is pooling that's all okay have you ever sat on your hand for far too long and yeah, then... you do it for fun yeah so yeah. you know how your hand just looks definitely white when you bring it out <laughs> to do it for fun stranger. Forever gonna associate it with dead bodies now. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Okay, does that we make deviated sense? On a, yeah, and on you a know the difference way. between liver mortis and rigor mortis. Yeah, rigor mortis is rigor mortis where the body goes stiff because of muscle. The muscle stiffness, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Because the gases are being released and your muscles can't because gases naturally build up in your muscles mm. to help you bend and move and such. Yes. If you lay prone, it's one of the reasons why you also develop cramp and such. Mm. That's rigor mortis. Okay, fair enough. We're sciencing really hard today. I yeah, like I this. did all this researching and everything. Yeah, I like proper little boffins. I yeah. like high five again. Yeah. There we go. Mental high fives. You don't get one. Stand high five. Yeah, you too far away. Yeah, there we go. That was beautiful. Welcome back, guys. We skipped 15 seconds, 30 seconds of the trigger warning. Welcome back. We are on to... Right. The main inspector of the case was an inspector, James Dobson, and he spoke about Brian's death to the press and in his reports and such. Okay. And he said that the wounds were bizarre. There was a terrible playfulness about it and a terrible gentleness, if you will. And somehow the playfulness of it made it more rather than less terrifying. Yeah, it's an odd... To say it's gentle is an odd choice of vocabulary. Yeah. I mean, he must have... What did he What did he mean by playfulness and gentleness? How posing the body like a doll as such and... The... Were, the, the, were the wounds quite delicate? Yeah. They were. They, they weren't, weren't savage. They weren't oh, savage. They so were like just... deep at all? No. They oh, were okay. just 
shallow marks on the body. Apart from the strangulation, surely that's quite a savage thing because of the amount of weight you have to yeah. put onto some. So that in it, that on its own. Don't forget, be... these are very little children. Yeah, but yeah, so and was... that their necks aren't as developed as a full-grown adult, mm-hmm. a full teenager, a ten-year-old. They aren't that developed. But uh, Mary was also quite small as a child. They're three. Mm. The three and four. Yeah. It does not take a lot of pressure no. to squeeze. Okay. And they're quite they're quite young, delicate little beings at that point. And, I suppose, and it well. sounds terrible, but think of shaken baby syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, true. Doesn't I mean do they even have like a fully formed skull at that point? Because babies no, they're ba- I think five is when the yeah. skull is fully well, don't formed. Don't you have a, a crack in your skull essentially? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't heal up. And it's babies don't even have to get you out of the woman's vagina, yes. essentially, yeah. isn't it? That's it. Yeah. Or maybe a consequence of coming out of the. Uh, out of a no, model. it is so that you, your your head can smush together okay. so it can come out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As well as bone of a young child is very porous. Yes. Mm. It's not solid. It doesn't have the consistency that like children from the ages eight upwards no. and then adults. If I remember rightly, the bone on the younger children it hasn't developed its outer shell. Which yeah. adults have, which gives it that kind of hard kind of calcification on bones. Okay. It's more marrow instead of yes. like Steph just said the calcification of it. That was a really long word for me. I like it. It was, yeah. and it was the correct word yeah. as well. Gold star. <laughs> Among the children who had flocked to Tin Lizzie were Mary and Norma. Mary, strange and evasive, more mm. so than usual, whilst Norma stood there acting excited. Okay. One police officer remembers. She was continuously smiling as if it was a huge joke. Just to go back, you, you, you mentioned he had wounds to his genitals, but you didn't, you didn't say what the wounds were to I'm his genitals. I'm skip over that bit. <laughs> <laughs> I was honestly trying to skip over that bit, but as you've asked. Okay, so he was skinned, partially skinned, okay. from the tip of his penis okay. down to where it meets the rest of the body. To his rectum. No, like from tip to base. Or oh, yeah. to tip to testicles, you mean? Yeah, basically, kind of, okay. yeah. So yeah. the skin wasn't completely removed. Yeah. This is terrible to say, and I'm st- sorry, guys, but it was essentially pulled back yeah. to show all muscle and urinary, urinary <sighs> tract and such. But not... To, I'm, I'm trying to like discuss this without being so graphic, but... He's a child, yeah. and that's that's got to be like super duper fiddly because obviously he's not developed. Hence, why Inspector Dobson said it was very playful oh. because the individual that did this played with the body. It was kind of like just finding okay. out what was there. Yeah, gross. As well as the fact that the wounds, apart from obviously what happened to his genitals, were very superficial. Yeah, they were just light marks on the body. You said he was stabbed in his thigh, though. He was stabbed in his thigh, but they weren't deep stabs. Oh, okay. They were just, it sounds again horrible, like a kid stabbing a teddy bear or a doll with a pencil. Yeah. Mm. I suppose she wouldn't have had the drive at that point no, to, like... The, the power behind her body. Yeah. And I think because it kind of... must, The crime scene must have looked like it was, I'm bored now, let's go. Yeah. It was very playful as such. Yeah, very child-minded. Yeah. So you said he was between two concrete blocks. Did they put a concrete block on top of him? No. No. He literally there was two like two large stacks of concrete blocks. There was a gap between the middle. Oh, and they shoved him down there. It was big enough to be able to walk through. Oh, okay. So it was not even shoved. Oh, they dumped him down there. No, they took him down there. Oh, so he wasn't murdered there then? He was murdered somewhere else and then taken down there. No. Oh. No. No. I'll go into that in a little bit with oh, okay. both 
like with Mary's statement. Yeah. As I have a little bit of Mary's statement to read out to you guys. Oh, okay. But they took him there whilst he was still alive. Right. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Okay. So during Brian's autopsy, Dr. Bernard Tomlinson, the pathologist, noticed the marks of compression on Brian's nose and throat. This was conclusive to a manual strangulation and nose pinching. Dr. Tomlinson concluded that although he had been strangled, very little pressure had actually been used. He stated an adult would use more pressure than required, and together with the shallow wounds on the legs, it indicated a child's touch. I mean, go them for sort of like picking that up yeah, from definitely. just injuries and stuff yeah, like that. Definitely. But that's the joy of pathologism. Yeah, yeah. Pathologism? <laughs> I think you've merged two things there. I think Sounds I like I a religion. Pathology. Pathology is what I meant to say. I like how I'm looking at the air going, what did I just say? <laughs> Sounded convincing though. I yeah. nearly bought it. If you want to join the age of pathologism. Please donate. We take, we take money. We take cash. Or <laughs> organs. Or organs to sell on the black market. organs. <laughs> I'm not sure. My stepdad's having a hip replacement soon, and I've asked him if I can have the hip they take out of him. Oh, do they actually like take the hip out to the? Mm. Oh, well, I suppose they kind of. He doesn't seem. He yet. seems to think that's a strange idea. I said it's a wonderful idea. It sounds pretty amazing. I'd love it. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Put it in a bell jar. I actually don't know what to say to that, but okay. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's quite cool. I like yeah, it. Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but it's, I think it, the strange bit is that it's just stepdad. So, yeah. Memories. Okay, so cats. Okay. Okay, right. When the investigation began to narrow down, Mary suddenly remembered seeing an eight year old boy with Brian on the day he died. Convenient. She claimed he hit Brian for no apparent reason and that she had seen him play with the scissors. Police looked into the eight-year-old boy. He was real, yeah. but he was at the airport whole day of Brian's death. Yeah. Uh, so she tried to pin it on somebody else, essentially. Yeah. The police had never released the information about the scissors. Oh. Hadn't released it to the press. Kept that hidden, you know, like they do, so that yeah. if something comes forward, like a tip, a hotline yeah. tip, that they knew that the true killer would tell them yeah. something that they... A smoking gun, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Mary, by fabricating the story of the eight-year-old, had just implicated herself. You go, girl. It had become clear that Mary, Norma, or both were at the scene, and that one of them was probably the murderer. Brian was buried on the 8th of August. Guess who was there? Oh, that Mary and Norma asking silly questions. No Norma this time, just Mary. Okay. Oh, right. With a smile. And a bit more. Oh. So, Detective Dobson remembers. Mary was stood in front of Brian's house when his coffin was brought out. I was, of course, watching her. And it was when I saw her there that I knew I did not dare risk another day. She stood there laughing just that laughing and rubbing her hands gleefully like full on mr burns sort yeah of thing. <laughs> i thought my god i've got to bring her in she'll do it to another one it comes to something when a police officer has that thought running mm. through somebody yeah. when they're looking at a child before brian's funeral inspector dobson had questioned norma who at the time stated she knew something she claimed that mary had killed brian and brought norma to see his body mary had apparently told norma Brian was the murderer in the house, right? No, Brian is the one in Tin Lizzy. <laughs> oh, sorry, Martin. Martin, Martin was, was the, the one in the, the house. house. Yeah. So she told Norma, 
I squeezed his neck and pushed up his lungs. That's how you kill them. Keep your nose dry and don't tell anybody. When Norma saw Brian, she knew he was dead. His lips were purple. Mary ran her fingers along his lips. She said she enjoyed it. Ew. Norma's story shocked the police, who wasted no time in picking Mary up. Even at 12.15am, Mary had her wits about her. After being questioned, Mary stated, I'm going home. This is being brainwashed. <laughs> at 3.30am, Mary was permitted to leave, but after witnessing her reaction at Brian's funeral, Inspector Dobson brought Mary back to the station. Mary gave the impression that she knew her time of reckoning had come, but her confession took a very weird turn. I'm not going to read out the whole statement. I'm okay. going to put I'll put a link up on like Facebook and search because it's one hell of a statement. All right. But I will read you. Did she write this or was this something that the police wrote for her? She dictated it to the police. They then right. wrote it for her okay okay so this is just a paragraph we all got inside then brian started to cry and norma asked him if he had a sore throat she started to squeeze his throat and he started to cry she said this isn't where the lady comes it's over there by them big blocks we went over to the blocks and she says ah oh, you'll have to lie down and he lay down beside the blocks where he was found norma says put your neck up and he did she then got a hold of his neck and said, put it down. She started to feel up and down his neck. She squeezed it hard. You could tell it was hard because her fingertips were going white. Brian was struggling and I was pulling her shoulders and she went mad. I was pulling her chin up, but she screamed at me. So they're just pinning it on each other at this point. Yeah. Mary's statement had some partial truth. For the most part, blame Norma, like you just said, Nick. Upon her arrest, Mary stated, that's all right with me. <laughs> Whilst Norma, when she was arrested, she angrily declared, Oh, never! I'll pay you back for this! Both girls were incarcerated at Newcastle Western Police Station whilst waiting for their trial date. Who was Mary Bell? Mary Flora Bell was born on the 26th of May in 1957 to Betty Bell and a mysterious man. So, Betty Bell was born in 1940 in Glasgow and was described as a deeply religious child her family thought she would grow up to be a nun, which is how religious she was. It totally did not happen. You could say that again. <laughs> it totally did not happen. <laughs> Wait, deja vu. <laughs> Even though there was no excessive punishments or abuse, Betty began to drift away from her family. When Betty's father died, Betty became demented. She threw tantrums, faked drug overdose, and in 1957 gave birth to Mary. Oh, wait, she was a grown-ass woman and faking and doing tantrums. Well, she was a teenager. She gave birth to Mary when she was 17. Oh, right. Yeah, but still old enough not to throw a tantrum. Though. Yeah. Okay. So Mary's childhood was a nightmare of abandonment and drug overdoses. Betty always looked at ways to get rid of her daughter from giving her to relatives who, when they said that they would keep Mary, she'd be taken away from them again, all the way through to a stranger in an adoptive agency. All right. It was only because of Betty's sister had followed them like, Betty's sister, sorry, had followed, like, Betty and Mary to the adoptive agency, that Mary was eventually returned to her mother. Right. Oh, so she was literally dropping her off at an adoption agency? She didn't even go into the agency. She saw a woman on the street outside and went, here, have my daughter. Oh! Oh, right, okay. Yeah. And the woman had taken Mary and brought her a new set of clothes. Oh, okay. So spent she a good couple of hours with her. Well, at least she was nice. Yeah. At two, Mary refused to bond with others and was already behaving coldly. Mary didn't cry when she got hurt, but instead lashed out violently. For example, she fell over and then smashed her uncle's 
uncle's in quotation marks, knows with a toy. Wow. I say uncle in quotation marks because he wasn't actually Neri's uncle. He was either her biological father or one of her mother's various Johns. Oh, she was a sex worker. Her mother was a sex worker. Oh, and John is a a term for their... her, but instead lashed out violently. For example, she fell over and then smashed her uncle's nose with a toy. And I put uncle in quotation marks. Yeah. How how old is she at this point, by the way? She's two. Oh. She's a toddler at this age. Oh, okay. Okay. Wow. What age was she when she was abandoned? Oh, her mother tried to fob her off to say. About one, two. Okay. All childhood. Yeah, pretty okay. much she had a traumatic childhood. <clears throat> okay. I put uncle in quotation marks because some sources say that he was her um, her biological father. Right. Whilst other sources say that it was one of her mother's jobs. Jobs? Her mother's Johns. Oh, okay, okay. Why is it in a family when anybody's described as an uncle? Why is it always uncle? You know, like, to, to disguise the real identity of somebody, it's always, oh, they're just your uncle. Whereas... I suppose you can have multiple uncles, I guess. No, you can't. I think it's because it's a familiar word. It means that they're close to, close to the family, but yeah. they're not actually a blood relative. Like, I had an Uncle John, but he wasn't my uncle. Yeah. He was your he was a, boyfriend? Yes, but just call him my uncle. Yeah, so I Weird. don't know, I think it's one of those, like, terms. It is really strange. Yeah. So when Mary was about three years old, she fell out of a window in her mother's house. Is this quotation marks or like, like air fell. quotes? Or is, air did quotes. she actually... Oh, air okay. quotes. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> I say air quotes because I will tell you, like, I will tell you some other stuff that her mother did to her later. Right. But there is also a chance that she was being a kid climbing out around and playing with the windows. Because kids do. do that and they just only get told off. Apparently you did it. When? Your mum has told me that you were sat in the window where we're recording right now. Yeah. With your feet dangling out the window. Oh, yeah, I used to do that. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, she was playing around with the window. Sitting playing out around? Oh. You technically weren't. Just being cool. <laughs> you were about, what, 16 at the time? <laughs> no. Um, but she fell. Okay. So there's nowhere that says that it's her mother's fault. And there's nowhere that says that it wasn't purely an accident. Okay. But from this, she had no actual physical, like, really bad injuries, except a few cuts and scrapes. Okay. But some doctors say she may have bumped her head. Right. When she was five, she saw her friend get killed by a bus. Oh, wow, that's quite gruesome. Yeah. That's like red mist kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Red the- mist? Wait, have you never heard that term before? I think it's, it's like I a... that's where you get angry. No, 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 like the military thing. Like yeah, when it's, you... it's when you lose control. Really? Red mist. Yeah, I've... when you've got the red mist, it's like like violent, uncontrollably violent or angry. Oh, I've always I've always understood the red mist as like if someone's blown up, then obviously their their blood literally just goes into the middle. Well, that's of, not of, like, saying that's a descriptive term, then, is it? Yeah. So like the red mist. Oh no. No. Okay, it can be used both both ways, I guess. So. Yeah. <laughs> you meant literally. A yeah, red like mist. okay. It's literally. Figuratively. Yeah, there's a saying. See red. Or oh, you see red, don't you? Yeah. yeah like when seeing red means you're angry. This was, at the time, Mary's only friend. Yeah. And she struggled, obviously, to make more friends. Yeah. Mary suffered multiple overdoses as a child. Oh. And they were all administrated by her mother. Wait, what? When she was three, her aunt found her eating blue pills along with some candy. Her mother said, oh, she must have taken them out of my bag. Mm, what did she do? 
The most serious overdose, though, was when she swallowed a bunch of iron pills that belonged to her mum. I didn't realise you could overdose on iron, you know. I thought it was just mm-hmm. good. Anything in your body, um, I guess you can overdose if you have too much yes. of it. But I thought you just excreted it after, like, <clears> the <throat> the other... Like the bits that you don't also, need. Also, well, it makes up your blood, doesn't it? Mm. Also, mm. iron is in air quotation. Oh right, okay. Iron is what her mother told the doctors. Oh, oh okay. Because this whole segment in air quotation marks. Pretty much. Oh, okay. That makes but, sense. Yeah, iron is what her mother told the doctors <laughs> right. that she had swallowed. Okay. But could have been anything. Yeah. Okay. A playmate of Mary's. Well, I say playmate. It was somebody that lived on the street that because all the kids played together. Yeah. Said Mary's mum gave her the Smarties. Oh, right. She had to have her stomach pumped. <laughs> they aren't Smarties. They aren't Smarties. No. Iron overdose. No. I'm or sure Smarties. you could. I mean, you like, could probably it's got to be a significant anything. amount. And yeah. I've seen iron tablets. I've taken iron tablets. Yeah. And they don't look like Smarties. Ooh. Okay. There are other tablets that I can think of that look like Smarties. Yep. Like yeah. antidepressants, uppers, downers. Yep. There are... It was the 60s, though, I guess. Yeah, there are higher drugs that I can think of that look like Smarties. Mm -hmm. Mm. And I asked my dad, who grew up in the 60s. Yeah. He, like, my uncle had to take iron. Yeah. And I said, oh, Dad, did iron tablets used to look like Smarties? And he was like, "Uh, no. (laughs) There were these massive things. Yeah, because they were like horse tablets. Good impression of your dad, by the way. I said, Got a real Welsh accent. (laughs) That was uncanny. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, like... I don't think they were iron tablets personally. No. Mary's mother, Betty, was a sex worker and she specialised in dominatrixism and submissivism. Okay. So she was a sub and a dom? Yeah. Okay. Dependent upon client. Yes. Yeah. I mention this as Betty brought her Johns back to the house where Mary lived whilst Mary was there. Ew. Mary was subjected to witnessing these submissive and domineering acts. Ew. So she was forced to watch. Yeah. Gross and sad all at the same time. When Mary reached age seven, she was being used as her mother's sexual prop. Wait, what? Mary was forced to act upon the wills of her mother's Johns. Oh my gosh. Be that sex, be that being a submissive. Wait, how old was she at this moment? She was seven. Oh my gosh, so well underage. Yeah, completely and 100% not okay. Author Greta Sereny who I mentioned earlier, that's the lady, this is the book that I've referenced a bit of this from, Yeah. as well as I read the book and it is heavy going. Mm. She wrote, it, the book's called Cries Unheard, Why Children Kill, The Story of Mary Bell. Right. And Greta says it is the worst case of child sexual abuse she had ever heard. Wow. And she's interviewed different serial killers who yeah. have had traumatic backgrounds. Mm. And she's like, no, this is the worst. Yeah. And was but... that of the time as well? Yeah. Okay. So she wasn't like a, a, a like a contemporary author writing about something in the past? No. Oh, she okay. said it like, oh, no, sorry. Yeah. She's yeah. writing about the past. Oh, okay. Okay. Because she was writing about Mary. This was after certain things had happened. Yeah. And so she was trying to tell Mary Bell's story about why she would possibly have done this. Right, okay. So she was an outsider looking in in the situation rather than yeah. being personally involved yeah, she in it. Yeah, okay. she literally, I think she was from London. Okay. What What made this, because obviously child sexual, well, violent, sexual violence against children or sexual exploitation of children is horrendous in any case, but what makes this particularly, particular, think, to, for her to say this is the worst I've ever seen? I think because it was her mother 
there was allowing yeah. this to happen. And I know that does happen. Yeah. But I think her mother and then the fact that she was not just forced to have sex with these men. Mm. Yeah. But it was forced to be either in a domineering role or a submissive role, which yes. unless you're a party to that and you're over 100% with your partner and you're okay with dominatrix and submissiveism, yeah. it can be quite intimidating and yeah. scary to say the least. Especially for a seven-year-old. Yeah. Well, I mean it, and scary for adults as well. Yeah. I mean, in a way, because the... the boys she murdered were obviously a lot younger than her so they by nature were she was dominant over them yeah so it may go to explain why she chose very young boys because yeah. it's the maybe it's the only it's a way of getting back at these horrible her men control. yeah but because she would have been naturally of a size compared to a two or three year old or whatever yeah. they were if you think about it logistically yeah she for example she would have been size of the fully grown adult in yeah. her mind and these little boys were the size mm. that she was. Yeah. So it's it's a manifestation of that abuse. Yeah. Really, isn't mm. it? Yeah. Did any of these men ever get prosecuted or? No, they didn't because on Betty didn't keep. Sorry, let me start that bit again. It was more of a case that Betty didn't keep a journal about these men. She didn't keep a client list. It was whoever passed her in the street. She'd meet these men in Glasgow. Oh, and so, then bring okay. them back to Newcastle. Ooh, bloody hell, that's quite a distance. Quite oh. distance, yeah. That's dedication to the cause right there. Yeah. And they'd stay with her for a couple of days and then go back off to Glasgow. Oh, okay. Interesting. Well, I guess because she was a, a specialist of sorts, people yeah. were more likely to tra- travel and, yeah. and yeah. stay longer. But she didn't keep client lists. No. So these men weren't documented. They didn't give the proper names, obviously. Cause Nobody saw them or anything. That's they just thought it was Betty's boyfriends. Oh. These uncles. Yeah. Well, Mary couldn't really give descriptions. I think. I suppose at that time you're not really focusing on what they no. look like. And she, if they do, if she did remember them, I think she might have suppressed it. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, it's absolutely. traumatic events, and you suppress those memories. Yes. <clears throat> so that's Mary's background. Okay. And now I'm going to talk about the trial, and a bit about the psychology of why she could have possibly done it. Okay. So this is all after she's been caught and all that. All after the out. all after the murders. All after the, like she's been like caught and everything. Fabulous. So Mary and Norma were brought to trial on the fifth of December, nineteen sixty-eight. The trial lasted for nine days. The prosecution. The prosecution opened with suggesting that whoever killed Martin Brown also killed Brian Howe. Rudolph Lyons. Lyons. The prosecutor recounted the girl's behaviour at the scene of Martin's death, how they then harassed the family, and how they then vandalised the nursery. He also asked that if it, if they were innocent, how did Mary know about Martin being asphyxiated? Yeah, and the scissors as well, right? Martin was the first boy. Oh, sorry. Okay. How oh, did... sorry. Okay. No, what were you going to say? Sorry, Steph. I mean, you've got that insignia as well, haven't you? About the M and the and all yeah. the, 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 the personalisations. How did she know about the scissors? Yeah. And how did the fibres from both Norma's and Mary's clothing arrive on the bodies? Oh, so they had like evidence, like trace evidence as well? They did. Interesting. So do you guys remember the notes that were left at the nursery? Yes. yes. I'm still very interested by that especially that first note okay well 
They were put through handwriting analysis Ooh. and came back as a mixture of handwriting. What, so Wait, two what? people had... So oh, they'd taken it in turns to write notes. Two people had written those, written? written those notes. No way. So, if you... I'll go back to the photo. Let's do this. I like a good reference. Right. If you look at the... We did murder Martin Brown. Fuck off, you bastard. If you look yep. at that one... Mm. Tell me, look at the M's. Yeah. Are they the same? No, they're different. No. Look at the A's. Are they the same? Mm. No, they're different. One's capitalised, one's. Oh, are yeah. Um, what's Not the opposite of capitalised? Lowercase. Lowercase, lowercase, thank you. <laughs> I feel like <coughs> bastard is such no, an English the... insult. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the letters are all higgledy piggledy. But if you yeah. look, say for example, the first letter. Mm. Is that a curvatured letter or is that an angular letter? Some of them look like they're in italics. I'd say the first two words are of one or the other, but then after that it is it is capital, then lowercase, then capital, then lowercase. Yeah. Yeah. They took it in turns to write a letter each. Oh, so not a word like each. a singular letter each. Oh, no way. So that's probably why it sounds so discombobulated then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's very childlike. Obviously. It's like a game almost, yeah. isn't it? What can we write? Like, oh, what's going to cause somebody upset? And yeah. Oh, you know that game that, like, you know, where you sort of, like, write a story on a piece of paper and, and then, then you fold it, it and yeah. then you yeah. write something else underneath. And then it's, yeah. it's kind of like that, but yeah. with one letter each. Interesting. And, and they did it with all of the notes. So know. that if one of them ever tattled... Yeah. Well, no, the other one helped. Ah. Uh, yeah. They were quite smart for little kids really weren't or they? at least one of them was at least yeah. one of them was <laughs> yeah <laughs> maniacal laugh so do you remember that I said that Mary did this because she thought it'd be a giggle yeah yeah who do you think is the brainchild of this Mary Mary, Mary. Yeah. yeah and because Not no, so Norma contrary. was in lower IQ level than Mary was yeah even though she was older she yeah. was very willing to follow whatever Mary said so she was quite dominant in that situation as well then? Yeah, she was the dominant friend. She sounds dominant in pretty much every situation. Yeah. Even with adults, she sounds quite... Or at least tries to be dominant over them. Yeah. Fibres of Mary's grey woolen dress were found at both crime scenes. Ah. At the first... Oh, sorry, no. Fibres of Mary's grey woolen dress were found at both crime scenes on the bodies itself. Oh, Okay. But fibres from Norma's maroon skirt were found on the bottom of Brown's shoe, but nowhere near. Oh. Martin was the one in the house. Martin was the first one. Yes. So the, well, I mean, it doesn't mean she wasn't there just because the fibres weren't found, does it? But it yeah. implies that she wasn't there when Martin yeah. was killed, but she was there when Brian was killed. Yeah. But how would it end up on the bottom of his shoe? That seems an odd place to... Maybe like trampled as he was in transit. Yeah. As they were walking. Yeah. No, but it was on his shoe. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you can... He can... It would. It must have fallen from her, or maybe he was walking behind her or something. Yeah. Or and then, carrying him, maybe, or something. Or holding him, or holding him down. And he was maybe kicking. Down. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. That kind of thing. Even though Norma came across as partially guilty, Mary, in court, came across as fully guilty. During the... Tar- during the trial, the girls acted shocked when the other blamed the other. Yet, 
continuously did so themselves. All right. I can just imagine that sort of thing. No, you did it. That was silly. You just said that. <laughs> oh my god. When are they American? I don't know. I'm from Clueless. <laughs> That's how I imagine every little girl. Okay. <laughs> it's like that phrase, what are you, 12? <laughs> it's very applicable. Norma stated that it was Mary that had killed Brian as she left to go make pom-poms at another friend's house. Oh, okay. A bit specific there. Pom-poms or poppadoms, did you say? Pom-poms. Oh, pom-poms. <laughs> pom-poms, no poppadoms. Pom-poms. Okay. Oh, a really fancy one now. The thing is, though, during the court proceedings, Mary and Norma kind of talked to each other without talking to each other. Oh, right. oh they had like a, a coded message. Like, looks. Thrashed hand signals. No, each, not it? even hand signals. It was like... They could read each other's faces. Yeah, like, yeah. me and Steph are pretty good at doing it because we've known each other that long. <laughs> mm. But we'll look at each other when we're not both like, what? Kind yes. of thing. It's yeah, kind it didn't of sound like it was that successful because they were both trying to fuck each other over. Yeah, but they still... The weird thing is, that's why I'm saying it's quite weird. Weird. I know, weird. what was the hitch there? Yeah, I don't know, it's like, whoo hip. <laughs> You've been watching too much Family Guy. <laughs> yeah. Little, leave real hitch alone. <laughs> but they, the, the weird thing was that they had this, even though they were pointing fingers at each other. They were like, I didn't do it. But as soon as they were on the stand, as soon as they were away from the stand, sat back down at like the defence table. Mm. Were, they, were they co-defendants in this? Or did Mary have a separate trial? I think they were co-defendants from what I could find online. Oh, okay. okay. Not separate trials. Okay. Do you think it was a bit of a show then to, for the courts and whatnot? Or do you think they were sort of... I don't just... think they were mentally adapt to make it a show. Oh, okay. I think that they were just being kids at this stage and yeah. being friends. Didn't really grasp Click. the gravity yeah. of it all. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know. It seems like Mary's got quite a good sense of manipulation throughout yeah. the story of, of how to... Especially how to uh, push people's buttons in yeah. certain situations. It sounds like she knows how to play, play, play the game, really. Yeah, not there fully, is that, but, but yeah, there's an element of it, definitely. I think, Even if it's unintentional. Yeah. So after the children's testimony, the defence called in psychiatrist who had examined Mary. Doctor Orton was Mary's chief psychiatrist. He stated, "I think that this girl must be regarded as suffering from psychopathic personality." Okay. Okay. Legally, this was a question of diminished responsibility. The judge explained the concept to the jury, and I wrote down what this is because I know a few. We had a few questions last time about it. Yeah. So, diminished capacity or diminished responsibility, as it's known in the UK, is where a person kills or is party to the killing of another. He should not be convicted of murder if he was suffering from such ab abnormality of mind, whether arising from a condition of arrest or retarded development of mind or in any inherent causes or induced by disease or injury as substantially impaired his mental responsibility for his acts. And that's what the legal terminology yeah. of diminished responsibility is. Mm. The jury took under four hours to return with a verdict. 
Norma Bell was found not guilty of manslaughter and was acquitted. Wait, what? Completely. Completely. So she wasn't even an accomplice in this or... No. It was just... Oh, wow. Okay. Whilst Mary was found guilty of manslaughter because of diminished responsibility. Oh. It seems very grey to classify psychopathy as diminished responsibility because psychopaths aren't insane. It's a misconception that psychopaths are insane. They're just... They're not. They're very rational people they just have very different thought processes yeah. to the average person especially when it comes to do with things like empathy i and, don't yeah. think i think it was more of the fact that it was the reti- i hate this phrase retarded development of mind and i'll go into that in a minute <clears throat> like why i think that mm. oh because of uh, the abuse you suffered as a yeah very because young child. there is certain aspects that as a child <sighs> you are meant to develop but I'm such a, I'm, I'm kind of the sort, like, you can have the world's most horrific things happen to you, but it doesn't mean that we need to go on to do bad things, though. No, it doesn't. But there is, I think there is some logical explanation of why some people do and some yeah. people don't. And it's so common among psychopaths to have that kind of abusive childhood. Not just psychopaths, like anti-personal, anti-social personality disorders as yeah. well, mm. which are also known as sociopaths. They have traumatic experiences in their childhood as well. Yeah. And it's more common than those of what people view as a sound mind. Okay. But it doesn't necessarily... It's not in every case. I mean, you think I'm a sociopath, but I had a wonderful childhood. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Why are you rolling your eyes? (laughs) Because that's a personal story and I'm not going there. Oh, you don't think I did? lovely child no i think your mum's amazing and she's great and she raised you brilliantly but there Mm. is other aspects of it that can lead you down that course okay if i am a sociopath i'm I'm a polite sociopath you are i do struggle with i'm not a narcissist i just i do struggle with empathy and i uh I, I've always known that I don't yeah. feel empathy probably in the way that most people other do uh, uh, normally do. It doesn't make me that I don't care. It just makes me that I Quirky. only care in certain situations. Yeah. But so. um, the interesting thing about this, the Mary Bell, her psychopathy, I mean, she was she was definitely a psychopath. It, by modern standards, she would be classed as a psychopath. I'll let you come to that decision in a minute. Thanks. Okay. Okay. Because I have my view on it, but I'd love to hear your views on this. Okay. Okay. Okay, so Justice Kuzak. Whose name isn't Justice. Whose name is not Justice. (laughs) Announced the sentence of detention for life, but Britain had a problem. We weren't used to incarcerating little girls, so the question was where should we put her? Prison was out of the question, as she was too young to handle it. Mental hospitals... Mental hospitals weren't equipped to handle children of the, for an extended period. Eventually, she ended up at an all-boys f- facility, which led to problems as she hit puberty. Oh. She was being... What's the word, Steph? What? Promiscuous. Oh, promiscuous. Yes. Mary was housed at Red Bank Reform School with, from February 1969 to November 1973. So she was there a good few years. Yeah. Enough um, to get her head sorted out. Well, kind of. But do you really go to those places to get your head sorted out? I mean, yeah. they're, they're not works. well known for, for 
especially in the curing 60s. people of their horrific uh, mental <laughs> disorders. <laughs> aren't they? Yeah. Betty, her mother, visited her often and constantly told Mary about the struggles that she had to deal with. Ugh. Well, so incredibly helpful. Mm. Saying this, though, Betty sold her story to the tabloids. Oh, of course she did. As well as encouraged Mary to write stories and poems that she, Betty, could sell on. Oh, Doctors at the time thought it best that Betty stop coming to see Mary. Yeah, yeah that's sound advice. But oh. in 1969, it was unheard of. What, to stop they your didn't weird that, mother coming in? Yeah, and they didn't really realise that mothers could do that. So there was a lot sorry, of lessons learned all around. What's unheard of? Sorry. Like for pe- like parents, like mothers, fathers to not see their children, that was in her unheard of in 1969. Even though she was mentally abusing. Yeah. Okay. It was unheard of because back then it wasn't viewed that a parent could cause these events. Ah, right. Okay. I think the consensus was amongst a lot of people that people were born that way. Yes, yeah. wasn't it? That that's. Up until recently, actually, I think that mm. that's been quite a common consensus that well, what, they're born this way instead yeah. of it being another thing. We're well, watching Mindhunter when they. Hello, Mindhunter. Which, <laughs> when we're, time recording this new series comes out tomorrow. Yeah, I'm so excited. But, I'm um, going to be off social media, guys. Telling you. I just from when they're doing the road trips around the police stations in. What, when's that actually set? Set in the early seventies, isn't it? Uh, Was it late seventies? 75. Yeah, mm. around that time. But they, they go to the police stations and they're still sort of arguing with these, these police detectives about these uh, trying to explain these disorders and the police are like just like, oh, they're born that way. Yeah. So that kind of gives a glimpse to the attitude of the time, yeah. I guess. That, yeah. And again, speaking to my dad, who grew up in that time, as well as my mum, it was very a case of, oh no, your parents could do no wrong. They'll discipline you how they see fit. Yeah. There wasn't such things as child abuse. It did happen. Yeah. But it wasn't publicly it wasn't acknowledged publicly no. as it is nowadays, which... Well, the, the justice system as well is a lot more robust to deal with, with yeah. things like child sex cases and things. Yeah, like. definitely. So, in 1970, Mary told a counsellor that a housemaster was sexually assaulting her. Oh, wait, what? Turned out to be a lie. Oh. But the staff had to change nonetheless. Why did she go to an all-boys school? Why? Because the boys' school, there was an all-girls school. Okay. Because girls didn't do criminal acts like this. Oh, okay. We're good, we're innocent, but eyelids. Oh, so there literally wasn't an institution that existed to uh, house house like criminally young children as such. There was all boys schools and it was a reform school. Mm. So they thought, oh, we'll go, we'll teach you the error of your ways and you can go back into society like they did with the boys. Right. But there was nothing for girls. Interesting. No, I had no idea. In 1972, she provoked the boys by stating that they had hurt her. All of her wounds were self-inflicted. Wait, what? What sort of wounds were they? Like scratching, biting, that kind of thing. Oh, okay. So superficial kind of shindigs. Okay. And that they had tried to have sex with her. Oh. So this time she's a teenager, hence me saying that when she turned into puberty, it wouldn't be good. No. I mean, there was no... I mean, I've never thought that you should just... 
should always listen to a, a woman if she tells a tale of of sexual abuse, but never completely believed to have evidence. But there was nothing to this no. whatsoever. No. No. Every single boy in that school school mm. school was kept in a separate dormitory. And the headmaster, because there's there's obviously lots of yeah. tales of headmasters or no. teachers abusing their None. students. No. None. Okay. Like the first one, like the housemaster, they had to change. Like they had a complete change of employment right because of that oh right okay so they but, took precautions then yeah and okay. then two years later she's then like oh these boys are having sex with trying to have sex with me yeah and it was like the rooms are locked at night yeah what's going on with your accents today that's that supposed to be geordie i don't know. i can't do a geordie accent <laughs> we're all over the place today yeah. we'll there's it a... in the united kingdom in charlotte's many weird accents that have no <laughs> reference to the actual place <laughs> yeah. they're supposed to be an yeah. accent of they add atmosphere, do you not think? Uh, yeah, why not? Why not? Can you do a Geordie accent? Um, what, what? Wee, lad. You just start a wee and then... Oh, wee, wee, lad. A wee. Wee, lad. Wee. I do Anton Deck talk. Oh, like back down north. No, that was really wasn't it. <laughs> what that is? Yorkshire, I think. Yeah, it was a bit, wasn't it? Yeah. So a year later, at 16, she was moved to a prison. Mary found the move extremely difficult as she had moved from an all-boys reform school to an all-female prison. She was a rebellious prisoner and was frequently punished. Sorry, Steph. But she decided that she was a lesbian. Oh. Why are you sorry to Steph? Because it's kind of tarring the lesbian heritage here. (laughs) Oh, okay. I thought you meant like she was going to ask Steph out or something. Yeah, she might do. I am deeply offended by this. (laughs) But, like I said, she'd decided she was a lesbian. Because it's always a choice. And when her mother heard this, she remarked, Jesus Christ, what next? You're a murderer and now you're a lesbian. (sighs) Goddamn lesbians. Murdering people and shit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad the lesbian of the show said that. (laughs) If me and Nick had said that, we'd be having our heads on a platter. (laughs) No, it's fine. I've, I've got, I've got cause. <laughs> <laughs> In 1977, after being moved to a less secure facility, Mary escaped. She remained free for a couple of days and even managed to lose her virginity. Oh right. So she wasn't a lesbian. No. She just decided to stir the pot. Oh okay, as you do. But wait, was she actually ever with a woman, or was that just a story? I think that was just a prison thing. Okay. Like Orange is the New Black kind of yeah. vibe? Okay. Except more 60s, less less hip. Less uh, Ruby Rose. Yeah. Who? Ruby, Ruby, Ruby Rose. Rose. No idea. Really? Really? Yes, that's why I said it <laughs> twice. Who? Who's Ruby Rose? I will find you a picture once we finish recording. Oh. Would, uh, give me a, a brief explanation. She's it's like amazing. a proper... So she's, she, came, she was like I really... I care by the end of the show. So <laughs> yeah, she was like the first proper lesbian female lead actress that really took the lead of the whole kind of, I don't know, movement. Oh, okay, yeah. fair enough. She, she really kind of put it into the limelight and people swooned. And I thought you were going to say she was the world's first lesbian. Straight girls swooned as well. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was beautiful. I thought you were going to say she was the she world's first les- lesbian. <laughs> no, no. no, not quite. Oh, no, I've never... She did that video. She did. Have you ever seen on the video where she she walked into this room? It was a really moody video where she was dressed in a, a blonde wig, and then she took the wig off and then removed her eyelashes. Took How the, long ago is this? Um, it was before Orange Is the New Black because that's what made her famous. Was that video? 
And then, so it was a music video, which, wasn't it? Uh, which wasn't long ago then? No, it wasn't long ago what at do you all. Mean then she was the first lesbian actress. No, no, like somebody that was like who was free about being a lesbian yeah. and brought that you can be feminine and sexy but masculine in essence as well. So yeah, yeah, but Madonna always used to play with that kind of idea, and she always say she was bisexual. But she's she? straight. Well, no, I think she she's. I don't know. I don't know about. I always thought she was she, bisexual. She was, she was, she was the first, like Ruby Rose was the first person like in in I don't know media that was really kind of like idolised as much as celebrities are these days. She was kind of like put on a pedestal, really. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Never heard of her. Still, <laughs> we'll come to you by the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Mary was released in 1980 after 12 years incarceration. She moved back in with her mother, and in 1984 she gave birth to a child. Oh. Yay. Because that's what the world needs. Of course, there were many outcries over Mary keeping the child. I mean, yeah. Really? But she was granted full custody. Wait, what? Because... What? Does she still have this child? Yeah. She also has a grandchild now. Oh, my God. Because Mary is still alive. And they... Lived happily I mean, she must have been. Well, no, she did behave very well in prison, didn't she? On what grounds would they let her keep a child when she killed children? That's bizarre. Yeah, that's like literally. She killed children. I have. No, I honestly don't know. What what date was this? Like what? what? In the eighties. Oh, okay. So we were still like eighty-four. She gave birth to a child. Put in a Nazi concentration camp garden, giving him a, letting him adopt a load of Jewish kids or something. Bizarre. (laughs) Really? You can cut that bit out. (laughs) No, I'm gonna keep that in. I like how all your references just go back to Nazism. <laughs> that's the collab out. They do though, but that's because that's your piece of history that you're fascinated with the psychology behind. Yeah, no, all... it's just very strange that they'd give a convicted yeah. child killer custody of a child. Yeah, but I think at that time they thought they had reformed her, and she proved as she grew up that she never killed anybody. Again. Oh, right, so she... <laughs> again, you have to add that. Yeah, I have to add that bit, that she never killed anybody again. Right. So she lived a happily normal life. Yeah, she had anonymous... Anonymous? Tea? Yeah, oh, she had an right. assumed identity. Yeah, and but she did like to tell her story, hence oh. Greta Sereny was able to write that story. Oh, right, okay. So and she did tell it then. The, pu- pu- the public, sorry, no, the press did find out her assumed identity... Chased after a bit, she had to move. Yeah. And then the court said that she could remain anonymous until her child turned 18. Okay. It's not illegal, though, to break somebody's assumed identity. Because remember when Jamie. She broke her own. Oh, she broke her own? Yeah, because she released the book. Okay, I was going to say, because I remember when Jamie Bulger's killers, one of them, I can't remember, Neil, something Neil's, one of the papers was sued or something or, or had legal action taken against them because yeah. she broke it herself by releasing allowing this book to be released oh, right. okay. okay so this is what mary looks like as she's leaving prison in 1980 oh my gosh she looks like she's in an episode of baywatch i wish she looks she looks suave sunglasses yeah she's yeah. got it she yeah with the big sunglasses i don't yeah. know what they'd be called the, the handbag fashionable right now and I think that T-shirt's fashionable right now. Yeah, she right? looks... I imagine for the time, that's quite a stylish look. And yeah. she yeah. probably knew that there'd be cameras outside the prison. Yeah. Right? If it wasn't black and white, it looks like a very modern photo. Yeah. Yeah. 
even black and white, it looks like a mummy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How long did her mother last? Do you know what what I year she died? Know. I think because of everything, it all kind of went underground. Okay. Like the death, so I couldn't find any references to it, and I'm sure there is online. So yeah. she didn't try and spin any more stories after that, or try and no. earn anything else from it. No. Okay. Okay, so with that in mind, you now know the story of Mary Bell. Yay! But what interests me the most in serial killers and murderers is the psychology behind it. Yeah, definitely. So I jumped deep into the big black hole of psychology. I like how you're prepping your whole body for this. Mm, this Getting myself prepped. Limber up, babe. All I can think of is Zombieland. Limber up. (laughs) What's that, a film? Yeah, Why do you always mention films I've never seen? Woody Halston. Harleston? Harrelson. Harrelson. Oh, uh, um, Bill Murray. That I chased around the Louvre once and it turned out it wasn't Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Mm. Also. <laughs> it was Owen Wilson. What's the guy from Social Network? I confused Network? Owen Wilson with Woody Harrelson and stalked him around the Louvre in Paris. Owen Wilson? Yeah, but I thought he was Woody Harrelson. That makes sense. Yeah, no. So you've mistaken one famous person for another famous mm. person. Yeah. I mean, it happens sure. all the time with Daniel Radcliffe and Elijah Wood. What does it? Does it? Yeah. One wears glasses, the other doesn't. Elijah Wood does wear glasses. Does he? Yeah. Or does, no, no, he only wears glasses in that wizard film, doesn't he? He doesn't wear glasses in Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, he does. Harry, Daniel Radcliffe wears glasses all the time. Does he? Yes. No, 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 So instances of child killers are very, very rare. They account for less than 2% of child murders in the US and even less in the UK. Mm -hmm. With this in mind, it brings up the question of nature over nurture. Does a child's upbringing influence their mental state? You don't need to answer that. I have a repeat in a bit. That was rhetorical. I got that. Parents are a child's most powerful influence. Normally, we learn about consequences of our own behaviour by how they directly influence us. We also learn it from observing the behaviours of others. So, if we see our parents acting in one way, yeah. as a young child, we would presume that's the right way. Yeah. Even if it's not necessarily. No, because you... It's like imprinting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, for example... In, in the media a lot is a lot about like neo-Nazis and hate groups mm-hmm. and religious groups mm-hmm. that the parents are telling the children oh no this is the way of life blah 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 these people are wrong we are right yeah. we are superior you, they're not I suppose once you've been brought up in that sort of situation yes. you're completely surrounded by that yeah. that moral guidance and whatnot. so I suppose yeah. it has an impact it's going to have an impact it has definitely and if, yeah. It becomes a whole world yeah. if they're brought up in a very rigid ideology. Yeah, and yeah. if you take the child away from the parent and ask them a very direct, what do you believe? Mm. They'll spout, they tend to spout off what their parents have told them. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Well, that, and yeah. then they'll then ask, but why do you believe that? Yeah, and they've got no they've context got no behind answer. it. I don't, I don't think you particularly need a strong ideological environment to do that. I think kids when they grow up they tend to adopt their parents belief systems anyway until yeah. they get maybe get to a point where they rebel against you yeah, know go through a period definitely. of rebellion but but 
a lot of it. What's up? What are you doing? <laughs> You've really caught me red-handed now. Like, what were you doing? I was just doing like little shadow puppets on your leg. Sorry. <laughs> you literally red hat. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm thinking of bunny on your leg. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> but no, literally, I think that taken out of context, these children don't know. Yeah. Because they haven't got somebody to go, oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. Oh, it's this. Mm -hmm. They've got to come up with this thought themselves because it's a learnt behaviour. Sorry, yeah. what context are you talking? For example, if a... For example, if a parent are turned around and gone, oh, a person of this colour or this race mm. or this sexuality or anything is wrong, mm. as a young child, you may be brought up to believe that. Yeah, absolutely. But sorry, as I... you grow up and develop your own conscious, mm. your own thoughts, your own right and wrong, you can then turn around and go, actually, no. But mm. as a child, you're learning that behaviour from somebody else. Yeah. It's like when my granddad told me Coca-Cola was evil and I screamed yeah. at those people in the park drinking it, told them they were <laughs> going to die. Did you really? Yeah, because my granddad was very, very religious and for some reason they had a some kind of hard-on for Coke being the devil's work. <laughs> I mean, I can see so, yeah, I did. Logic. When I was 12 years, about three, I shouted at a, a couple just enjoying a can of Coke in the park. <laughs> That's so amazing. That's, that's a prime example, actually, because yeah. you've been brought up to believe that something is not okay. Yeah, mm. definitely. So, with that in mind, though, if a child is met with a negative reinforcement of their actions, for example, sexual abuse, abandonment, there would be an inc increase in the frequency of the response that they have. All right. So, for example, sexual abuse from a mother, her mother's clients john's yeah her mother then would give her attention right and love okay so it was it's being reinforced with all this oh if you act, if you let them do this it's not a good act no but you will get this but i'll love you yeah kind of thing the okay. other thing is that when she got abandoned and somebody said oh we'll keep her we'll look after and then get she'd get taken away from him yeah Mm. And all the attention would be then thrust upon her again. Yeah. Because, oh, mummy loves you, mummy will never leave you until next time. Yeah. Did the mother have Munchausen syndrome? Maybe. Okay. What's Munchausen syndrome? I'll get into that in a okay. bit. Oh, okay. I'll jump okay. Just a preemptive question. <laughs> <laughs> this also leads up to the punishment aspect of when you are learning as a child. Or, as I wrote in Steph, when you are learning to life as a child. <laughs> That's a good word. Punishment usually means you do something, you get told off, you stop. Yeah. You don't do it again. Mm -hmm. The consequences of a child not being told off normally, so your standard, not physical abuse, but no. don't do that, you'll hurt yourself enough. Yeah. Normal. Laying down the law. Teaches them that if they repeat the action... Nothing's going to happen. No. So, Mary strangled those three girls, didn't she? But the mother told the police. Mm. Mary didn't get told off, off, no. punished as such. She got a slap on the she wrist. She got caution, didn't she? She got, oh, don't do that again. Mm -hmm. You end scamp. <laughs> yeah, end of, on your way. Nothing yeah. else. Yeah. Doesn't really enlighten anybody. No. And now Mary's like, oh, I've got attention. Yeah, I'm going to do I'm it again. I'm going to do something else again. 
Does that uh, make sense? Yeah, yeah it makes perfect sense. It's important, though, not to confuse punishment and negative reinforcement, as one is to stop bad outcomes, and one enforces the bad outcomes yeah. and sees a rise in them. In Mary's trial, Dr. Orton stated that he thought Mary suffered with a psychopathic personality disorder. Okay. But was she born with this, or did the, it develop due to her mother's neglect and abuse? Hmm. A psychopathy, a psychopathy disorder refers to the antisocial activities plus other. So, what have I wrote there? <laughs> Words. Right, let's do that bit again. A psychopathy disorder refers to the antisocial activities plus other more emotive factors such as lack of empathy for others, remorselessness, and manipulativeness. Okay, so it ticks every box then, really. Yeah. Psychopaths commit more offences than an average criminal and are significantly more violent. Mm. The lifetime prevalence rate is about 3% for men and about, well, less than 1% for women. Oh, okay. So three in every 100 men are psychopaths. Yeah. Interesting. Whereas every one in 100... Or less, yeah. Or less. Probably mm. less than one for women. Yeah. Again, going back to that that fish head documentary I was talking about, it was quite a lot of it, and I recommend watching it if if you haven't seen it. I've, I've found it on YouTube, but it's it's a really well made documentary. It's not some rinky dink Discovery Channel nonsense. Um, that a lot of psychopaths um, require a new classification as corporate psychopaths because they move into that kind of world yeah. where their psychopathy is encouraged and rewarded and it's just really interesting because they're basically about it's quite a new classification but they did create this classification called the corporate psychopath because yeah again that world does benefit them so much it allows them to cause mass amounts of harm to people and gain mass amounts of money from it or reward from it pardon oh sorry oh no that's just to talk to me i think yeah. You know, I know. It, no, it's that. It's not that. It's that when he's and loud and quiet and yeah. loud. Uh, okay. So. But the point of that is, it's important to to know that not all psychopaths can be violent. No, they can manifest no, that in no. completely. You can have three psychopaths in a room. And perhaps one of them may kill. They'd probably kill each other if you put all three of yeah. them in a room. Perhaps. <laughs> but let's say you put ten people in a room, and you know that three of them are psychopaths. There is a chance that one will commit a murder. They'd probably start arguing over some something stupid about yeah, but that's... who's the tallest. No, I'm the tallest. And then, like, yeah. I don't know. Carries on from there. So, mm. psychopaths can fall under a specific set of characteristics. These are set out by Dr. Clerkey in 1976. They include charm and good intelligence, absence of delusions or irrational thinking absence of nervousness unreliability untruthfulness and insincerity lack of remorse or shame inadequate motivated antisocial behavior poor judgment incapacity for love general poverty loss of insight unresponsive to general interpersonal relations fantastic or an uninviting behavior suicide that's rarely carried out sex life is impersonal and a failure to follow a life plan 
These features provide a good idea at what most, but not all, psychopaths are like. Mm. Interesting. What's the poverty thing about though? So, like, is it how does that affect? Why why is that a factor? How do, how does a psychopath become a, a like poverty? How how does that come into it? Um, oh, how to word this? Well, it probably first of all increases the chance of being abused in childhood because yeah. it does take place statistically in in, in greater and more yeah. impoverished uh, areas. Okay. So that's probably one Where indicator. And that if you notice, like with a lot of serial killers as such, yeah, they come from lowly backgrounds. Okay. They're not. they Don't get me wrong. There yeah. are the high class ones. Definitely. But Majority. the lowly ones are more because of Nick. Like Nick just said, the higher rate of sexual abuse, yeah, physical abuse, mental abuse, the darker other, side of life. I guess. Yeah. Other derogative terms and everything. Yeah there's a higher chance that that will happen in poverty okay. than there is a, a the richer, echelons. Yeah. I'm okay. not saying it doesn't happen. Nope, there's definitely more loads of, of a, cases. There yeah. tends to be things like more drug use in, in impoverished areas than yeah. In, yeah. or hard drug use, rather. Yeah. Okay, I'll get you. Male and female psychopaths are sexually promiscuous mm. Mm. Good from an early age, but the encounters do not seem to mean much to them. They habitually... Is that the right word? Mm-hmm. Sounds convincing. Tell lies and don't care if they if the lie is then discovered. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because they're big risks, risk takers and they, yeah. they don't deal with consequences, so it doesn't... Although psychopaths are capable of understanding right from wrong, the consequences of this behaviour and the knowledge of it is unimportant to them. Okay. Dr. Klecky said, suggested that their defect consists of the unawareness and persistent lack of ability to become an, become aware of what the most important experiences to life mean to others. So they lack the empathy. Yeah. They're very kind of self-revolving, really, I guess, at that point. They might be aware of, oh, I do have feelings. I'm angry. Mm. I'm, I'm happy. I'm sad. But processing those. But realising that other people yeah. have that I'm happy, I'm sad... I'm angry because yeah. yeah. they don't understand that. Okay. They don't understand why having a job promotion mm. would make somebody else happy. Oh, right. Okay. But they understand having a job promotion for themselves would I, make them happy. I don't think it's that they don't understand. I think it's that they don't... Register? They don't register yeah. that other people have emotions that they know they do, but they don't see other people as... As conscious, intelligent. See, yeah, they don't see that they're aware. Which is where it. the nar- narcissism comes yeah. from, because the whole world then becomes centred on themselves. But then doesn't, like, please forgive me if this is completely wrong, but, like, doesn't autism kind of, um, like, play into... Th- no, 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 I'm not... No, I know, I know, I know. It's, it's, me and Nick had a debate about that. This is what the face is about. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so we had a debate drunk? about it when we were drunk the ah. other week. That sounds, yeah, sounds good. Well, what did we talk about? Whether psychopaths are autistic. They aren't, right. Yeah, because there's similarities between this. Every mental disorder, be it narcissism, bipolar, antisocial personality disorder, psychopathism, every single mental capacity disorder, mm-hmm. any of them, yeah. has ties to another. Oh, uh, okay. Because the, the brain is one organ. Yeah. You fire neurons in your brain that tell you to do something, and everybody's brain fires these neurons yeah. 
be it the wrong way. Okay. So some people can say yes, or autopsy, no. Close enough. Autism is very similar. Yeah. Because it's the facial recognition of emotions, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Mm. And what happens to a psychopath is that they don't register that. Yeah. Same with an autistic person. They yeah. don't register that. Yeah. But an autistic person, if you turn around and go, no, you can't do that. You've upset them. Yeah. Don't do that again. Mm. They will then react and not do that again. Ah, uh, so that's Whilst the difference. if you do that with a psychopath, they're yeah. like, why should I give a shit? Oh, okay. Okay. And okay. yes, you do get that with some autistic. Yeah. But there is an also underlining care of nature over nurture with that. Nurture with that. Yeah. The nature is that they're autistic. The nurture is a parent, a guardian, teaching them right from wrong. Okay. And then learning and adapting to that behaviour. Right. Is, is, aut- is autism a, a genetic condition? It's, yes, has it's, nothing it's to carried do with... by the maternal no. gene. Okay. okay. Whereas psychopaths... I don't really know anything about autism apart from... Knowing people who have been autistic, but I don't know how it develops at all. Really. It's a maternal gene. It's okay. just a short, short wiring in the brain, like mm. any mental disorder. But so, the one, one thing I have noticed in uh, autistic people is the vast differences. I know there must be like scales of of how autistic a person is, but it just seems like people I've known. What's the best way of describing it without? My brother so, is autistic. Yeah, Charles' brother is autistic. And, and my mum and dad, as my mum's got three older girls than him, he's the youngest, he's the baby, even yeah. if he is taller than me. My mum was like, I can't raise three girls and him any differently to raising the girls. Yeah. So she taught him exactly how she taught us. Yeah. yeah. And we made, like, allowances because mm-hmm. you've got to when somebody's got a mental disability. Yeah. But I think what Nick's trying to say is that there are people we know who haven't done that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have made them into, I hate this phrase, the special needs child. That they're right. special, they need that extra attention and care and allow them to get away with, not murder because that's a bit excessive, but no. allow them to get away with everything. Yeah. Because I would have no, if you hadn't told me, I wouldn't think yeah. your brother was autistic. My brother didn't tell his best friends who he went to university with oh yeah that he had autism no until he got there <laughs> yeah and they were like yeah we knew i mean i think maybe he was something i can sympathize with having you know certain triggers for anxiety but no i, I would have never guessed that he was autistic yeah it's like when yeah. did you figure out cory because you've known cory longer yeah, Corey longer than in... I have known. No, <laughs> no, you've known uh, you've known Corey longer than you've known me, and that's only yeah. like three years. I wouldn't years use difference. his. I wouldn't use his name. Corey. I know, but he's... I don't care. Yeah, yeah no, but Corey he might. don't listen. He he might do, and you know, yeah. <laughs> he knows that. He, like, I'm I'm the only one that's allowed to hurt him with my words. Okay. And I think you'll kind of get it with being the only brother. And... Yeah, I know, but like you're you're doxing him by saying his name almost. You know what I mean? Alvin. Yeah. Like, how long have you known Arvin? <laughs> I've known. Oh, okay. I've uh, yeah, I've known him for like he was in my year. He was in my year at high school. So, yeah. um, yeah, I've known him for ages. But like, it wasn't anything that he really, you know, sheltered from the rooftops. No. So like, even I can remember like, in, I kind of tried to stay far away from my brother as possible in high school. Who doesn't? But I just remember like. 
you saying to me, oh, your brother's just really quiet. Mm. I mean, yeah, I remember that, yeah. but at the same time, it didn't strike me as anything as... It's no. just quiet. Yeah, I mean, we, we come in all different forms. That's how my mum raised him. And I know that, yeah. and I agree with what Nick says, there are different severities of autism. Yeah. But it also brings up to my mind the question of nature over nurture. Interesting thing, though. As you say, like, autism is a genetic thing from a mother's thing, but they also have the same traits as the psychopath, yeah. which then... Some. Some, Yeah. But that, it's interesting that the psychopath is a nature versus nurture thing, whereas the same sort of, like, properties of a Not mental disorder is genetic. I'm questioning if Mary Bell was caused to murder over nature, over nurture. I, not finished with the psychology stuff, but I think that she had, she was a psychopath. Yeah. But born well, with it? The thing, the but thing. I think that she was a nature psychopath. Mm-hmm. Definitely fed into it. Turned violent because of nurture. Yeah. You mean she had a predisposition? Yeah, the predisposition was there, not okay. necessarily to kill. No. But to be the show off, the yeah. big I am, to be socially mm-hmm. unaware of what was acceptable. The big life lessons weren't learned. Yeah. Okay. But I don't think that she. Was that I think all psychopaths and all sociopaths, it's it's part of your chemistry of your brain. Yeah, yeah. You think? I do, but I think the murder aspect of it, yeah, the criminal aspect of it, is brought on by nurture. Yeah, I suppose it's the escalation of it, and then sort of how yeah. you deal with yeah, how you said the deal with the right and wrongs and yeah. whatnot. But the interesting thing about child killers is that normally psychopaths, their gestation period and where they develop their triggers and their obsessions. The ages of 13 and pubescent times. Yeah, but they can be earlier than that. Plenty of... It can That's be a lot the gestation earlier. period. No, it's... but like the, the, the child is, is, as a whole, taken as a whole, is normally the gestation period for their obsessions and their psychopathy. Yeah. So Mary Bell obviously simultaneously had that gestation period and became a psychopath yeah. within that. Yeah. But if that... if Like the lady said, was it the lady said that was the worst sexual yeah. abuse she'd ever... Get heard of then Peter. the intensity of that makes sense to why she didn't need to grow up in an adult to an adult in but order to manifest some, those at the same I'm time still speaking. yeah but you interrupted me <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry what were you saying i can't remember now it's going to <laughs> sorry okay but at the same time some reach researchers have hypothesized that the lack of involvement in the brain is caused by an unresponsive autonomic nervous system which is known as the ans okay those that have damaged the frontal cortex have shown to have lack of like irregular lack of irregularities in the ans functioning like lack of heart rate responsiveness in the uk and the us mm-hmm. like the research has showed that they may see a traumatic event and the heart rate doesn't do anything okay so it doesn't affect them whatsoever. Because it's not affecting their neur- neurons in yeah. the frontal cortex of their brain. Okay, so it's not firing off those like adrenaline no. sort of things. Okay. And that so that's chemical. The, yeah, that's chemical and that's the nature. Yeah. And studies have been performed on that. Yeah, studies are still being performed nowadays. Okay. But Nick mentioned earlier like Mindhunter and John Douglas is the godfather of like behavioural science which I freaking love mm-hmm. 
and even now he's completely retired from the FBI but he still goes and interviews it, like killers how does it? because he's like I still don't understand how the human brain works just for yeah. fun now sorry? just for fun now <laughs> well he does it for like parole board hearings and stuff like that to see if okay. they will recommit a crime Okay. But a lot of it, he's, he's like, no, I want to carry on doing it as long as I can. I, find, I, I feel like it's one of those subjects that you're never going to know fully yeah. what's going on. A common denominator in children who murder is that they come from a problematic background. Mm-hmm. But that's, have, that's all psychopaths. More often than not, yeah, there children is some who kind murder of or horrendous. adult that murder. Yeah, you're yeah. right. I mean, I can't think of a... I'm sh- I'm sure there must be some, but I can't think of a serial killer where you don't look at their child and it isn't horrific. Beverly Allen. Who's that? Angel of Death. She will be featured in a couple of weeks. Yes. She okay. had a good childhood. Okay. Oh yeah, Shippy was also one as well. Yeah. Like, I like to say there's there's exceptions to yeah. it, but there's there's it's yeah. more common that they've had horrific childhoods. Yeah. yeah. But it may not be just that they have a horrific childhood. They may have a family member who has a criminal record. They may have suffered a tra- traumatic loss, so somebody okay. close to them has died. Yep. Yeah, so it's kind of like the... Dennis Nilsson stuff Nilsen. with his yeah. grandfather. Mm. Again, sorry to jump in, but and to reference that documentary again, but one of the arguments they made in it was something I'd never considered before, that... Um, antidepressants and SSRIs because they not, they suppress feelings of anxiety. They also suppress also suppress empathy, mm-hmm. so it could uh, account for why psych- psychopaths and sociopaths are becoming more prevalent because these drugs are actually uh, limiting people's ability to to empathise with other people. Um, things like Valium. Um, yeah, maybe. Like I've not looked into that. No, it's just an so interesting... Uh, that's really interesting, actually, because we are becoming a bit of a pill-taking mm. So if somebody's naturally inclined to maybe hurt people or, or has a lack of empathy anyway, taking a course of antidepressants or SSRIs, which are um, inhibitors to uh, serotonin, I think, mm. could push, could be one of the things that... That was the argument, that it could be one of the things that pushes people to become... Yeah monstrous in their behaviour towards yeah. other people. It sounds incredibly valid. Because it, it erodes the last bit of empathy they might have towards people. It sounds plausible. A yeah. very, very convincing case. Yeah. So, I'm sure Steph knows this one, because she's into the true crime world like I am. Ooh. about me? You might know it as well. It's. I think you might do, actually, because of Mindhunter, but I'm not 100% sure. Go on, But fire. in the true crime and psychological world, there's this thing called a McDonald triad, no, or the triad of sociopathy, or the homicidal triad. Have you heard of it? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you had. But I know uh, Steph has. Uh, uh, yep. So it states that there are three factors that can be combined to be predictive for later violent actions. There has to be a minimum of two. Okay. But it is becoming more common than it is that it is just one. Mm. Okay. So, the first triad is built on arson. This is the first shot at a child that a child has at releasing its own aggression. Okay. So, it might be a fire starter. (laughs) Twisted fire starter. As a reference, I get. Yay, we got one. (laughs) There we go. I love the black eyed peas. (laughs) I will hurt you. Full on hurt you. 
But Mary didn't have arson. She wasn't known to start fires. No. Cruelty to animals. Mm-hmm. This is the second opportunity that allows the child or person to show aggression. You're going to mention a cat, aren't you? The animal is innocent and it cannot fight back. Are you going to mention a cat? Can I have a trigger warning? <laughs> trigger warning for everybody who loves animals. Cats. Cats in particular. Oh, for fuck's sake. Mary, in her cell, whilst waiting for her trial, had a stray cat come into it. The WPC allowed her to pet it and stroke it for a while. Yet, a couple of minutes later, she walked back in with Mary's hands around its neck. Oh my god! The cat survived. Oh, thank god. Because the WPC got it away. Christ. And when asked why, Mary stated... It can't feel it anyway. Partially through that conversation, she then stated, I like hurting little things. They can't fight back. Yeah, well, that just kind of encapsulates it, really, doesn't it? Yeah. So the last one is bedwetting. The, re- the correct term is called urinennis and is in- the unintentional bedwetting during sleep that is persistent after the age of five. Mary, during her incarceration, struggled to sleep as she was afraid she would wet the bed. Oh, right. When asked why, she goes, At home, her mother used to humiliate her about her wetting the bed and would rub her face into the urine. So negative reinforcement, then? Negative reinforcement, as well as mocking her for doing something she can't control. But what is it? What's the connection between psychopathy and bedwetting? Because or at or because uh, uh, I, I always pre, thought that... oh, you wouldn't call it pre-child because they're children. But after the age of five, what what's the connection there? I always thought that bedwetting during a night was obviously uncontrollable. So obviously, because yeah. it's unconscious, you're you are unconsciously asleep. But but as an adult, do you find that if you need to go to the toilet, yeah, whilst you're in bed, yeah, you wake yourself up. Yeah. You yeah. go to the loo. You come back, you go back to bed. Yeah. On normal about that, is Yeah, there. you have like an auto-response to yeah. get up and get out of bed. That doesn't always happen, though. I must, I must admit, Mike... No, it's, it's, Are you trying to say that you've wet the bed? No, I haven't wet the bed. No, 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 well, without getting too personally into it, but like... No, please do. About my bed, too. No, no, no. So, like, um, I've, I've got a back injury, and, like, when when I have really bad days... Um, the, the you kind of lose feeling of that kind of feeling, so if so, but you have an underlying medical condition. I mean, yeah, you're there not is that. doing it unconsciously. You're very much aware that there is a possibility you're going to need to go to the toilet. Yeah, but you're not asleep, and then it happens. Okay. So is 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 it that the, the psychopath's brain chemistry is such that 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 sort of auto response is turned off? Yeah. Okay. As well as the added, uh, okay, like yeah. Steph said, negative reinforcement of the act. Yeah. Well, I mean... Because as a child, you wet the bed, you get told off. Do you? you do your best to try and not wet the bed again. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, th- I think most parents are quite understanding. They do. Yeah. They understand. But you do get told off for it. It's like you've had an accident. It's not negative reinforcement. It's punishment. No. As if we need to change the sheets, you've got to remember you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Get told off. Yeah. But it's not a negative reinforcement, it's just a punishment. No. 
it's kind of just enlightening somebody to say that yes. that's, that's a bad situation. Okay. Yeah. But we can move on from this. Mm. It's okay. But as a child, Mary didn't have that. She had the negative reinforcement of it. The humiliation of the fact. It was quite animalistic. Because, I mean, I, there's that thing where it's kind of like, if you don't want your dog or cat to, yeah. like, wet the house. Or you rub their nose in it. Yeah, you rub their nose into it. With the house. Like we had to do with Boris when he pooped on your oh, bed. Yeah, that wasn't a good night. <laughs> Sounds great, guys. So it does I, sound quite animalistic in, yeah. this, uh, in their approach. But there must be more rigorous tests, obviously, to, to There are, but those somebody's. are created by Dr. MacDonald. Mm. Okay. <laughs> and a franchise of burger... Burger joints. Yeah. <laughs> but it's... Mainly, though, two of those are not always 100%, but they are key. Yeah. And it's not always the bedwetting. It can be the arson and no. then the, like, cruelty to animals. It could be any combination of the whole yeah. thing. So, for example, Ed Gein. Yeah. He had all three. Arson? Yeah. Oh, okay. He set small fires. Uh... He wet the bed. And he was cruel to animals. Yeah. What is it about arson? I understand the cruelty to animals. That's, the first that's quite release obvious. of anger, because it's something that they personally can control. Okay. Uh, for example, son of Sam, mm-hmm. he got sexual satif- satisfaction from setting a fire. Oh, really? I don't know anything about son of Sam to be honest. It's somebody I'm not familiar awesome. with at all. Not in well, awesome sense, as awesome as he's interestingly awesome. Psychologically awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Completely fucked in the head. A full-on minefield. Yeah. And he enjoyed setting arson, like, fires, Mm. watching them. Yeah. And the control he had over the firefighters. And he would get a sexual satisfaction from it. Yeah. And he would masturbate at the scene of the crimes. What, to fires? To the fires, to the the control he had over the firefighters. Oh, okay. Because they didn't have a job except to put that fire out. And he'd caused that fire. So they had a job because of him. I kind of find that people that sort of like do... Well, I don't know anybody A job to do. They would have had a job anyway, but a job to do, you mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I find that anybody that's sort of like... Because I know a few people that are interested in like flames and stuff and not not quite so like arsonish. Please, please, uh, what do you mean you know people are interested in (laughs) flames? Do you not? Do you not know anybody of that sort of like? I know well, when people... there was a at school, there's always a kid who had a lighter and look at this kind of thing. But yeah. what do you mean by interested in flames? So like really fascinated with the whole. Or to stare into a fire and sort of giggle and wank off. Okay, maybe not quite so wank off, but, but like there are. Like, there who are... Do wax play. Wait, what? Wax play. Yeah. Wax play. Yes. And that's meaning. They have a candle. Wax. And they oh, that kind of thing. Well, it's not really about the fire, is it? It's but more about the sensation of the pain. People who start, who like to. Do the wax play, mm. not receive it. Okay. Like the fact that they control the fire. Well, I think you've just seen. described any any dominant, like yeah. dominant but sexual. All the people that, that is... I work with, I know a lot of people that yeah, do that for fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the people that I work with, the entertainment company. They um they have acts where they literally pour wax on each other. It's quite no. fun to watch. Oh, well, I just mm. live a very sheltered life out here in the country. So <laughs> nobody's pouring wax on here down the work. I've seen spot. some things, man. I've seen some things. Don't know what I've seen. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, the arsonist is basically it's a way for them to 
destroy something without destroying a human. So there's still that destruction there? Yeah, they still like the aspect of the control they have over the destruction. Yeah. But they don't realise is that fire is not something you can control. No. But they like the fact that they can start it. Yeah. Yeah. And they can technically put it out when they want to. For example, if you start a dustpan, like dustbin fire, mm. put water over it, eventually it's going to go out. You have that control of making it stop. Mm. They like that aspect. That's why it's the first in that homicidal triad. Yeah. And fire can be a very metaphorical thing as well, yeah. isn't it? There's like a cleansing yeah. power to it. Yeah. Because like, a lot of Wiccan practices have fire as a cleansing. Thing. Oh, yeah. Like, like but, sage burning and all that yeah. beautiful business. But in this case, it's not. It's mm. They can control it. You, you find that most people that start arsons and whatnot, that's why people who, like the police, when they go to places of arson, they actually look at the crowd that are watching the right, the okay. thing happen. Makes sense. And they Makes take sense. a lot of photos of that crowd because yeah. it may not be something they spot mm. at the time, but when they re-look over the photos, they can yeah. see that look of glee on somebody's face. Yeah, it's interesting and what you can get from a crowd. Yeah, and it might not be that the person who's gleeful naturally did the fire or created that fire yeah. but it might be a pre-indicator that they might in the future mm. like being an artist i guess it's like the opening night of a gallery show or something you go there not to look at your own work you've done that before you go to look at the people's reactions to it yeah yeah and you get off on and it's whether like, they're enjoying it or or yeah. you know offended by it or whatever emotion but i don't think i'd ever wank one off at a gallery though <laughs> i've seen i've been to gallery shows where yeah. people have been yeah, I've, yeah, yeah i've done that at university as well and you're yeah. like what the hell what? yeah yeah once we were in a warehouse it was a warehouse show and we just came in complete darkness suddenly spotlight man naked <laughs> then he starts to just wank himself off for 30 minutes <laughs> okay that was amazing yeah. couldn't even finish and then the spotlight just went. Oh. And that was it, and everybody clapped. <laughs> well done. Well done. But well done. Amazing. So again, I go back to that question. Yeah. Is it nature or nurture that caused Mary to act the way she did? I feel like she was born with some chemical, interesting, firing, misleading... I'm just firing words at you here. You but are, like, but yeah. they're actually making sense. I'm glad. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think there was elements of nature, but nurture definitely exacerbated the situation yeah i mean i don't i'm not too familiar with what the literature is on the natural brain of a psychopath from birth i know trauma and and events can alter chemistry but i think this case is is so clouded by the horrific abuse she suffered yeah that that seems to be that must be the driving force surely of what led her to do the things that she did and like i said earlier about the that she preyed upon small boys and if she was put into the position sexually where she was completely helpless and uh, forced to partake in these awful awful things that seems like a manifestation of her trying to um, mind sort of take revenge on those those perpetrators of those crimes or maybe even have learned those behaviors from those situations from those men and applying them to somebody more vulnerable than her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think in this case, it it just seems again I don't know the literature on on what a psychopath's nature is, per se. But yeah, it, it, her child was so, so horrible that it yeah. has to be the driving factor, surely. 
There's yeah. definitely like physical differences though between like a, a psychopath. Because I can't, I really can't give you the specifics. But like I remember watching sometime at some point in somewhere, in some point of time, <laughs> that like the physicalities of a, a psychopathic brain is a lot different to somebody who is not. So like there's you can physically see the differences between the two. But that's not necessarily a natural thing. A, a trauma again, an emotional or physical trauma can alter your brain. Yeah, quite drastic. But from, I think I know what you're on about because there was, I think it was a documentary. It was definitely a documentary, yeah. Where they said that though, that they can notice a a prominent definition of the frontal capacity of the skull. Yeah, sounds right. Where the frontal like cortex of the brain is Mm -hmm. is more prominent and overhangs slightly. Yeah, I want to say. I want to say that's about right. Yeah, and whilst people who haven't necessarily got that capacity are have regular shaped heads, yeah. whereas the, those who are like predispositioned to be psychopaths mm-hmm. or creative, I find or creative, which <laughs> is a fine line. Quite weird. Yeah, I'm towing that line, but they have a larger like frontal lobe, okay. and the front cortex of their brain makes it. Like their forehead more prominent. So. And you said that the men are more likely to be, be yeah. psychopaths, so testosterone must play some kind of role in that. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. As a male, mm-hmm. do you find. As somebody you think is a sociopath. <laughs> no, no, no. As a male, not the sociopath side of it. As okay. a male, do you find that you are predispositioned to be angry about situations than a woman necessarily is? Or. Do you uh, find that women react more emotionally to a well, situation? Well, anger is an emotion. Anger is an emotion. Um, okay, maybe that wasn't the best way to word it. More emotional outburst where men tend to hold in their anger and release oh, it God, all no. at one point. Now I've seen plenty of angry as fuck men ranting and raving in the streets over the smallest of things. Um, so I don't think it's to do with that. I think women are naturally less aggressive when it comes to outbursts of violence if that's yeah that's kind of what i meant yeah so um i think women not all but display anger in through other forms which are less passive aggressiveness which are less (laughs) obvious whereas men are more immediate i think with their their outbursts of emotion especially yeah yeah no that's that's it so I'm on the stage, like, with both of you, really, where she was predispositioned to be a psychopath, mm. but I think her nurturing or lack of thereof of yeah. the nurturing, mm. because Steph or Nick, I'm not sure which one of you mentioned it, but her mum was accused of having Munchausen syndrome. Yeah. yeah. And Munchausen syndrome is basically where you cause... Munchausen syndrome... I'm going to go into this in another episode in detail, but Munchausen is not, it's not called that anymore. It's called something else, but everybody knows it as either Munchausen syndrome or Munchausen by proxy. And they are two separate things. So Munchausen means that you as an individual will exaggerate your own injuries, make up injuries, pretend that you are ill. And if you have an operation, well, exaggerate, Wait, what? So play with the scar tissue to oh, make right. it not heal properly. Right. Okay. You will bounce between doctors because one doctor might start cl- cluing in. Hold on a minute. That 
doesn't Just seem right. Yeah. So you'll move doctors. Okay. Does, and so on. Does self harm fall under this as well? Self harm also comes into it. Okay. As well. Okay. Munchausen by proxy is when you do it to somebody else that you uh, are tied with. Okay. So I think I explained this to you yesterday or the other day, but Nick, to Nick I said, for example, if Nick had a, woke up one day with a sore throat. Yeah. And he woke up the next day with a sore throat. And I, if I suffered from Munchausen by proxy, mm-hmm. I'd take him to the doctors and be like, oh, he's got a sore throat, he's got a sore yeah. throat, it's throat cancer, it's the worst, oh my yeah. God. Okay. And then the doctor might clue in and go, hold on a minute. Mm-hmm. It's no, not... it's just a sore throat. Yeah. So I'd then take Nick to a different doctor. Oh, this doctor said he's got throat cancer, sort it out. Oh, right. And escalate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that doctor would be, hold on a minute. So what's the difference between this and a hypochondriac? The pathology of it, I'd imagine. Hypochondria yeah. is more of a, like, um, uh, you'd, you'd call somebody a hypochondriac for a specific event, whereas Munchausen okay. seems it's more, more pathological. Oh, okay. So it's more sort of... Uh, I'll go into that in a little bit. But a good, oh, a good, couple of episodes, a good example. because they are very much connected. Well, it sounds like oh. maybe a mother had both. Yes. Okay. Munchausen by Munchausen does develop into Munchausen by proxy when that person has a child or a, or a responsibility. So yeah. like somebody they have to look after because some people do it on their children. Yep. Some people do it on their elderly parents. Some people do it on their partners. Mm. I think a good example in media is in the film. What's the Bruce Willis film with the ghost boy? The, the Sixth Sense. Yeah, where Misha Bart and the little girl, where they'd find her under the table. Her yeah. mother's been poisoning her to yeah. gain attention, hasn't yeah. she? That's a good yeah. example. Yeah, and, and she dies of Munchausen poisoning. Yeah. The other one is Gypsy Rose Lee and. Oh. Kate Blanchett. No. Gypsy Rose Lee. Who? Her mother told everybody she had cancer. They re- recently released a film about it called The Act. Okay. And. Gypsy Rose killed her mom because her mom was telling everybody that Gypsy Rose was dying and stuff, that mm. she had leukemia. Yeah. And Gypsy Rose had had enough and killed her mom, became okay. a murderer. Mm. And her mom had months and by proxy. Right. Just so, triggered in my mind. I remember that you remember when the allegations first came out about Michael Jackson after the Martin Bashir documentary? Yeah. There was a kid who sort of sparked it all off called. Gavin Arvidos. Yeah. And his mother claimed that he had cancer, and that's how she got in touch with Michael Jackson and yeah. got him to be his friend and stuff. But there's allegations that he never had cancer yeah, whatsoever. She just, just she used it just to get Which close to, to a celebrity. Like another reason why people would do Munchausen by proxy. Yeah. To but, get attention by people that they want to get attention yeah. for. Allegedly, didn't have cancer. Yeah. I have to say that. Yeah. It yeah, is allegedly. allegedly. We yeah. we aren't doctors or no, anything. Or know anything of any sort from news articles and such but like i said i'll go into that in more detail in another episode okay because hmm. in a, i think beginning of next month we're going to be having a medical murder mystery yes mm-hmm. excited we've all got our own medical cases that we want to cover yeah. you mm-hmm. can tell how much we well i can tell you you can Any tell teasers? how much i'm doing a nurse Ooh. what are you doing what steph I'm doing one of the most prolific serial killers supposedly to be in England at the, the world. time. No, in England. In England. In the world. Really? Yeah. Okay. I thought he was still pretty much number one. No. 
in the world. He's right up there. Okay. And I'm doing top five. Yes. And I'm doing a German Nazi doctor. Yeah. And we're also having my cousin on the show. Yeah, your cousin's a. Can you explain what your cousin is? Because I she works for. She um, touches Ebola. She works for Norwich University. She's a, a, um, what's the word? She deals with very, um, like, uh, oh, what's the word? Yeah, it's it's microbiology. What's the term? Uh, very virulent diseases. Oh, so like like I said, Ebola, measles, influenza, more influenza, bad, very bad like strains death. of influenza. Like, I keep trying to ask her if she death. can get me some out, and just so I can have it on my wall or something. You know? <laughs> it's cool. Just petri dishes. Yeah. So, that is the story of Mary Bell. And Yay. I think we're going to carry straight through to Steph. So, Steph. Yeah. Oh, my dear listener, it seems to be getting a little bit dark with all this chaos and death. Perhaps we should change the channel. <laughs> Very spooky. It has ghosts in it and everything. What? That sounded more like Muppets. Oh. Ghoul school. Again, a reference. Scooby-Doo, the cartoon. Do you not remember the Scooby-Doo? Yeah, I do remember. School film. Yes, I do remember that. The one with Buffy? No. Buffy's in everything. Sarah Michelle Gellar. Just leave it there. So, my... Sorry, no. I was always a Willow girl. Wait, what? What? Willow? Really? Yeah. He was the worst. You Willow moaned was the best. Constantly. Buffy was obviously the best. Spike was the sauciest. You wanted her for the sauciness. Yeah. I like Willow for her book smarts. But she moaned. You do nothing but moan. What the bitches no, I think moan. Willow like I you. Who is yours, Steph? Spike, though, guys. Oh, yeah. Okay. What? Male yeah. Spike. No, no Angel. Spike. Oh yeah, yeah, but Angel was like Angel proper goody two shoes. Spike got gorgeous. better as the series went on, but oh, my favorite episode is the musical one. Oh, oh my god, I forgot they did once that. More, once more with feeling. <gasps> Obviously, it'd be the best. Yeah. Who was the book guy? The librarian guy? Giles. Giles. Anthony Head Stewart. Yes. He's the bait. I don't want to sleep with him. I just want to hug him. <laughs> I just, I just want to hug you repeatedly just and just. Have you ever seen him. the? Uh, Kenko ads he did in the 80s. No, yes. I don't think I've yes. seen it. Kenko or Nescafe, rather? One of them is coffee. It was Nescafe. Just coffee. It's actually know? Nescafe. Because <laughs> I really you know went everywhere. Did you know he played Frankenfurter? In... I, I, I know you're going to take Rocky Horror. In a stage production oh, in, in, in London. What? Are you not a stage fan? I despise theatre. I think it's... <gasps> what, do you, what do you want? I feel personally I attacked. You had it. I gave it. I know, right, Steph? Welcome to my life. <laughs> but I, we are educated. Okay, well, let's I'm move on. I'm educating so Nicholas this we weekend. We all agree that theatre, especially musical theatre, is shit. Steph. <laughs> Wait. What are you talking about this this week? Musical theatre and oh, how amazing it is. <laughs> I like this I like this conversation and I like the route it's going. Okay, okay, okay. 
So to the there is actually story. a musical theatre. Let's stop story talking about bloody musical theatre. <laughs> Carry on, carry on. You don't want to finish that sentence? No, 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 I'll wait, I'll wait. Okay. Who cares about a musical Henry VIII theatre production? Oh, yeah, six. <gasps> and it's a rock musical. It does sound... Oh, brilliant. Every bloody... <laughs> every th- theatre musical these days have a rock version of something. Or rap. quite late tonight. <laughs> Nicholas is getting progressively drunk. I'm not getting <laughs> drunk. I'm just... So outraged. So starts getting outraged, it's getting drunk. drunk. We're dealing with drunk Nick. I'm not drunk, you're drunk. <laughs> Why does every contemporary theatre production have to have like rap or rock music in it? Because Android Lloyd Webber is involved it's like, in most Oh, let's cases. do Schindler's List, but the folk version. Oh, wait, it's gone back to Germans. <laughs> yeah, oh my god, it really did. <laughs> Okay, so my story this week is um, pretty much, yeah, as English as you can get it. Um, I would go and see a gangster rap version of Schindler's List, sorry. Gangster <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I'm sorry. I mean, yeah, actually, I would have too. too. <laughs> that is an exception of me. With, With Liam Neeson. With Liam Neeson. And Ralph Fiennes. Ralph Fiennes? Yes. Voldemort. Yeah. He plays Voldemort. Ralph Fiennes plays Voldemort. He doesn't play no, Voldemort in Schindler's, in Schindler's List, no. <laughs> It plays good. It, it makes sense, but no. The guy that plays like Voldemort, Ralph Fiennes, yeah, is, is in Schindler's List. He's the crazy uh, Nazi man. You know yeah. what? I think Schindler's List is one of those big films that I've not actually seen. Don't what? do it. It's yeah. one of my. I love it's that It's the film. only film I've ever actually seen Nicholas cry at. But it's like three hours long, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but it's worth it. It is worth it's it. An epic. It's one of those films that's an epic, truly. And it's not, honestly, I'm not yeah. just saying that to make you watch it. It's, they've got some good. Like prosthetics and stuff in there as well. Oh, I like how you swing me round by the makeup. <laughs> it's good because it's you, when it was made, it was obviously it's not CGI, so it's got to be what are they called? You know, where blood practical effects. Squib. Oh yeah, the squibs. Yeah, yeah. They've got some really good squibs. Yeah, there's in no there. CG nonsense in it. Oh, it's that's not quite good CG, then. so but it's one of those, and it's filmed in black and white. Um, Apart from splashes of colour. colour at certain specific oh, so, points. So it's quite artistic then, really. Yeah. Story as well. yeah. yeah. The only thing that I associate with Schindler's List is the lift, because you can get like Schindler's Lifts. <laughs> it's a brand of lift, so when you get in it, it's Schindler's Lift. I have no idea. Have you never seen this brand Schindler's of lift? Schindler's Lift. Yes! <laughs> there you go, it's just clicked. <laughs> <laughs> Right, we're going back to the British <laughs> yeah. things right now. There you go. Okay, I don't know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> when you see it, you'll burst out in hysterics, like I did. Inappropriate, but yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It was. It was a full. It was a full load. Pardon? Oh, oh come on! I didn't read that Seriously? one. Seriously. That doesn't even make sense. It's not even a joke. It's just you've said something dirty, and now we're all now you're both giggling no, and cackling. I, I, my brain went dark. I'm just not going to go there. Oh, when doesn't God, it? How long has this introduction been? It's <laughs> yeah. been so far. It's been eight and a half minutes of nonsense. Okay, so my story this week is pretty much as English as we can get this. So we are talking about Henry VIII, as in our past monarch of England, um, and his six wives and where their spiritual resting places are as of this moment. Do you guys know the rhyme of... Yeah. Divorced, beheaded, survived. Divorced, yeah. Divorced, beheaded, beheaded died. Oh, sorry, wrong way around. Divorced, beheaded, died. Divorced, beheaded, survived. That's the one. So I'm going to go through... Um, I'm not going to go through like the whole details of the whole scenario because obviously each wife um, had very separate circumstances and they all went 
through interesting things but I won't take you so much through the history but more so what they did to become like famous and notable in their situation and where they are finally being yeah. seen at the moment. So Henry VIII, um, his first wife is Catherine of Aragon. So she was born 1485 to 1536 and she was divorced. She was married to Henry for um, 25 years. So she was actually the longest sort of married to Henry. However, because she did not produce a male heir, Henry essentially got pissed and tried to annul, uh, annul their marriage on the basis that she was previously married to Henry's elder brother, Arthur, who, whoever he died in 1502. He actually quoted on their, um, on their annulment um, like ceremony, he quoted Leviticus, and he said, a man may not marry his brother's wife, and such a union would be uh, without the blessing of God and fruitless. But he didn't see he must have known she was married to his brother, so that didn't really bother him before. No, it really didn't. Oh, so, okay. so it, he kind of just used it as an excuse, essentially, mm. because he wouldn't, she would, didn't give him a son, essentially. It just seems like a weak argument. Somebody could have just piped up and gone, but you married her. Yeah. You knew that, yep. and you married her. But you wouldn't have said that to the king, because you would have had your head chopped off. Yeah, mm, as the, the next one proved. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. <laughs> so that led, um, that whole issue led to the breakdown of the Catholic Church in England, and Catholics did not like divorce, so obviously they didn't really... Divorce is a big no-no. Yeah, it definitely was, which obviously saw the rise of the Church of England. Well, I think there was a big move towards Protestantism, the Reformation yeah. anyway, because people were dissatisfied with the, the Vatican. Yes. Catholicism, I think they, they saw it as too extravagant and wanted to, to go to back towards a more pure form of Christianity. Yeah, the clergy definitely had a, uh, a very big influence as to what happened back in those days. Mm. So um, it was interesting how kind of... Because Henry actually became the head of the, the Church of England, so okay. um, he actually wrote a lot of the the now sort of... I don't know what, what the So the case is the Queen the head of the Church of England? I think so. Yeah. I think so. I want to say I've heard that sentence before. Yeah. I know we have an archbishop, but I don't yeah. know if the Queen was head of state and head of the church as well. Maybe. I've heard Should that before. Yeah. I'm not going. I'm not going to. Yeah, because I've heard it, of that. It is her church as such. Yeah, I think it's just the monarchs of the time, I guess. Yeah. But Henry VIII definitely did start it. The Pope did not like the annulment. Um, Henry essentially made up his own rules uh, to suit his own wants, so he completely just Threw manipulated. His toys out of the pram. Yes. Absolutely. I don't want a puppy. Yeah, and created a new religion in 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 spite of it. Hell no, puppy! I follow my own rules. Yeah, pretty much. Just he's in his Southern American way. now, is he? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I he's feel it. Was that Australian? The Bayou. That's like Mississippi, bayou. isn't it? South. Going down the Bayou. What was I listening to? For the Princess, princess and the and Frog. The frog. <laughs> there we go. The what? Princess the Princess and the Frog. frog. Disney? Yeah. Yes. No idea. <laughs> you're missing out, you're missing out. There's a crocodile that sings like Louis Armstrong, it's great. And plays trumpet too. Like it's going Armstrong. down to buy you. Okay. Going down to buy you. <laughs> so Catherine was sent to um, Kim Bolton Castle in Cambridgeshire where she died in 1536. Now this is really sad. So she was actually separated from her only daughter, uh, Mary, who later went on to become Queen of England, like way after 
um, Henry was eventually given, you'll, you'll sort of see, he was eventually given a son by one of his wives, but unfortunately he, di he died quite young. So Mary actually became Queen um, of England, um, but unfortunately she sort of became as known as the Bloody Mary because she tried to reverse a lot of what Henry was about and, and sort of killed a lot of people in the name of, what would she have been? So like Catholic. Catholic, Catholic yeah. Oh, she had Catholicism. Okay. Catholicism. Was she like a puppet for the, the Catholic? Uh, the Pope was she? she? Yeah, she was. She was proper, and she was. She was kind of very much. That's the pure religion sort of thing. Okay. My father's wrong. Yeah, pretty much. And she also makes great cocktails. What the Bloody Mary? Yeah, <laughs> I say yeah. That, but I don't tomato even like juice. it. It is tomato, tomato juice. juice. I just can't imagine Tabasco. Drinking. Yeah, vodka. and a stick of celery. Tabasco and vodka, not together though. Just drink the Tabasco and vodka. It is Separately. a bit of a strange one. Yeah, I'd do that. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but Catherine um, actually died of heart cancer five months before the next Queen's beheading. Spoiler alert, but we already knew that one. Um, yeah, from the poem. Yeah, from the poem. Um, however, Mary did not attend um, the funeral because, again, she wasn't allowed anywhere near her. Actually, um, Catherine and Mary were just, they just didn't really have any contact other than a few sort of letters that were sort of... Oh, secretly so, passed from yeah. servant to servant kind of thing. So really, she was taken away from her child as such? Yeah, pretty much so, because just... Was the child exiled? So Henry didn't really recognise her at the beginning as somebody that was in line for the throne, especially when he started being promiscuous mm. with other ladies. He, yeah. he just didn't want that sort of carrying on, so he was trying to get every other avenue by all these other wives to try and... Henry was quite a looker in his early wasn't he because we always think yeah. of him as this sort of fat bearded yeah quite sort of grotesque that painting almost. that painting that you're on about was actually to, it was actually painted well that image of him was a few um a few weeks before he died so oh, that was really? like yeah that was the the latter stages i've ever seen an image of him when he's a young man no i, I always you do don't you you think henry the eighth you think yeah. of that big, yeah. big guy. that picture yeah. yeah but that picture is actually a lie that that oh. whole image so them um, so tudors especially well everybody that was painting in that sort of situation uh, you'd find that a lot of them would uh, make them look a bit more so Meteor. yeah i mean like for example so henry the eighth in that in that moment in time when he was being painted he was old frail he had an injury from a hunting wound he like had sexual diseases he was like you know at the Riddled. the brink of death and he he barely was able to stand up for the for the sitting of that picture but he kind of ordered the artist to make him look like a king essentially yeah. so he painted him in the standing upright position oh, okay. in the the broad and sort of yeah i think i think he was sort of quite bloated anyway because was, of the he was bloated but he wasn't as rotund as he was in that it was no. more added to give him health so. yeah mm. he just essentially wanted to come across as a big all and powerful king i think skinny has only really been a, a modern thing is it? especially with with women because yeah. he, he mm. could only really be uh curvier let's say if you had wealth because you could have food yeah. therefore you weren't starving you could that's it, it. I mean, if you look back at like roman greco statues the ladies are what you'd call today plus size yeah they're not and even like skinny the waisted painters painted mm. curves and they painted like non-straight lines to yeah. show the volump volump voluptuousness yeah of the woman like if you look at venus de milo yeah she's again like she's a plus size technically sort of. a plus size by modern standards but mm -hmm. back then she was the ideal body weight and yeah marilyn monroe she was a 16 yeah and she was bombshell. she was yeah she, she was, was the sex symbol of the age mm. but now oh she's fat she's 16 yeah 
It's really interesting how we, we've kind of completely swapped because back in Grecian times, you you obviously see all like the beautiful Grecian statues of like male anatomy. Yeah. Well, all of them have very small members. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't. I don't think that was so as important as I think it made up for the with the start the size of the statues. The Greeks and Romans built tended to build quite large statues, but it was more about physique rather than yeah yeah anything else. But now, it? if you look at our times it's more about the members yes is it it's all about the size <laughs> what do you yeah, mean? it is about the members and is how, it? like yeah because if you for example if you look at fashion advertisements yeah the men in that always have tight underwear with bulging packages you can blame the yeah, porn industry that, for that, that though there's that famous thing of justin bieber for like a calvin klein advert yeah. where have you seen that yeah where, I have. the before and after of him yeah. being photoshopped where his like muscles have been drastically altered and his, his meat and veg has been <laughs> doubled inside yeah. then there's also the same set of britney spears yeah but the opposite where she was made slimmer, where she was made mm. smooth, and her complexion was equal, like equalised. Yeah. Mm. So it's modern standards. It's not. It's completely yeah. flipped. Yeah. Well, it's it really true, like they all had quite pale skin because being tanned used to be considered peasantry. peasantry. Yeah, because yeah, you were out in the sun all the time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And they used to get lead poisoning, paling their skin and such. Yeah, things. Isn't there a, it was really interesting. The theory so they actually sent some of them mad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, Queen Elizabeth. Um, I think it was the first, was it? Yeah. The one with yeah. the the oh, curly retta. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes, we are. So Queen Elizabeth the first. Um, her her actually paintings were another example of artists having creative license, because she used to slap on the 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 makeup so much it actually pitted her face. Oh, so right, okay. so her texture of her skin was basically rotting away oh, under geez. the makeup. But she used to slather herself in more of it to cover it up, but not actually realising she was dissolving her face even more. Um, Queen, Queen Victoria, um, she used to have, Queen Victoria had rotten teeth. Yeah, I, I know that's yeah, quite a famous thing. Because of what they were eating at the time. George Washington, I think, as well, had famously had, had wooden mm-hmm. teeth. Yeah. And mercury as well. Like, the yeah. mercury poisoning can give you silver teeth. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. if you, like, digest uh, mercury. That's a reference. There's a reference Alienist. to that. Alienist. No, I've never seen the Alienist. Yes, yeah. there is. Have you watched the Alienist with me? No, I've never seen that. Yes, I was, no, it's I, a honestly. TV show, Nick. We've watched it it's together. kind of like my daughters, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Oh, like, we, uh, yes, we have. Sorry, yeah, with the yeah, uh, German actor. Yeah. New, New yeah. York. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So that's, that's teeth. where. I, yeah. Yeah, because the guys got it. the teeth and like um, George Washington, not George Washington. Sorry, uh, Jefferson. Yeah. Brought over a lot of like the Vogue stuff because mm-hmm. he lived in France during the American Revolution. Mm. He brought a lot of the makeup styles and that that yeah. the men in like. Like the beauty spot and all that beautiful yeah, business. Yeah, the French court would he brought that over to America. Mm-hmm. The French court actually had a lot of influence over like Europe. To be yeah. fair, when did makeup actually become safe to wear then? It's not been a reason. It's, it's only been a recent thing. I mean, like I think Victorian even had um, like Victorian cosmetics had like things like cocaine and stuff in them and stuff yeah. like that. So mm-hmm. it's okay. only been a recent thing as that people well have been realizing. There's like lead. There's arsenic. yeah. In there's like green, really stupid like, stuff. In green eyeshadow, they used to have arsenic. Okay. And they, yeah, they used to. Wallpapers uh, as well. They rotted their faces off. Essentially, yeah, and then artists would cover it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> Interesting. Yay, history. Yeah. So, um, Catherine was yes. Um, so back to Catherine. Catherine was sent to Kimbolton Castle in Cambridgeshire, where she died in 1536. Her ghost. So, um, her ghost is still seen at Kimbolton Castle, wandering the halls um, of the Queen's chambers. 
her ghost is not aware of the refurbs that have been happening on the castle so um over time they've had a lot of uh like cosmetic refurbishments in the castle the ghost doesn't actually seem to acknowledge it or kind of she still seems to wander the halls as the the old layout of the castle which kind of goes back to our uh, thing of yeah. ghosts are replays and spirits of the live yeah, angel thing. one of the most friend of the show, Stu, when we first met him. Yeah. Before starting the the podcast, told me about that distinction. I found that really interesting. I'd it never, is. I mean, I I don't I don't believe in in ghosts, but still, just the distinction to me between a ghost and a spirit, uh, spirit was a ghost is more like a holographic sort of replay. Uh, replay yeah, yeah, of a moment in time. Which I didn't know. I thought they were one and the same. Yeah, me too. That's why it stuck in my mind so much. Yeah, same. Yeah. It was interesting, really interesting. I feel like we're, we're going to get him on in a later, later episode. Yeah, we episode. are, definitely, because he's not only a medium himself, but he is a parapsychologist. Yeah. Which sounds like a contradiction, hmm. but for what he says, it's very, very interesting. And even yeah. as a quite steadfast sceptic, I found it really interesting and, and enlightening to talk to him about yeah, his experiences definitely. and things. It was yeah, an eye-opening thing. That's it it. did make me believe, but just, just uh, you know... is you know yeah. A little bit of a fuzzy feeling. <laughs> no, it nothing like that. It, it was just inter- very interesting. It made yeah. you contemplate, well, maybe there is, if there can be scientific proof No, it wasn't that. It. It, was, it was more... Food for thought. The mechanics of operating in that world. Somebody who's operated in that yeah. world. That I found really interesting. Yeah, definitely. And he, he's not the kind of medium that I think is predatory. I think no. he's a medium with a genuine interest on, on finding out things. Yeah, absolutely. Which I, uh, I encourage, actually. That's yeah. a good way to be. It's, it's the way that it should be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, so she's she's wandering about the castle in the old kind of uh, layout. This is seen because um, she'll be walking uh, through the floor, so her legs will be on the ceiling of the floor below, whereas her head and upper body will be seen on the floor above. So, Oh, so... she has no constr- like constraints of the new yeah. roof and like ceiling. She's and glitching. So. She's glitching. She's glitching. She's glitching. She is a video game. She analogy. is absolutely glitching. And she is no she doesn't take in any of the visitors or anything like that. She's just in her own little world and replaying her own little what? little thing. Yeah. So wife number two. Divorce beheaded. beheaded. Beheaded, there we go. I like how you're following me along with this guy. Yeah. This is cute. <laughs> so this is this is essentially um this uh, she, Anne Boleyn is one of the most famous wives to come from um Henry VIII. She refused to become his mistress um, from his proposal in 1527. So, for example, Catherine of Aragon, she died in 1536. So she, uh, uh, Henry proposed uh, the mistress role way before they got... So he wanted some bow-chicka wow and she was like, uh, no. Yes, she was just like, you need to put a ring on it. She's quite yeah. young. She was quite young, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Share the joke, what? I was like, he, he wants a bow chicka wow and stuff. Like, no, should have put a ring on it. I'm like, should have put a ring on it. <laughs> With the Beyonce dance and everything. Uh, Beyonce references. <laughs> Hands made, just doing the, yeah. the dance. In the background. Ah, ah, ah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's hilarious. <laughs> In their Trude dresses. Beyonce still relevant? Always. Okay. Yeah. Queen Bay. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't call it go as... with the popular music. No, I wouldn't go that far. I, I can't... I think she's the only popular person I actually know. Yeah, I do like all of Beyonce's music, I ain't gonna lie. I, could I don't not like tell a lot you of a single pop. song. I do not no. like a lot of pop, but I like Beyonce. But it's I not played on Radio 6 music, I haven't heard it. No. Fair enough. No. I think she's released a new song, and I've no idea. I just don't... I just don't know. Fair 
Oh. Anne Boleyn. She refused to be a mistress um, in 1527, so Henry decided to marry her. So he did put a ring on it after he divorced and exiled his ex. Yeah. After seven years of courtship, a religious reformation and a daughter, Anne was beheaded at three years of marriage for high treason. Because she had a daughter. That escalated quickly. Yeah. It did. It very escalated quickly. Again, Anne couldn't produce a son, so Henry tired of this and sent her to the Tower of London, where she was tried and found guilty of adultery, incest, plotting to kill the king. And it was probably all false, because the the clergy and um, Henry's advisors at the time didn't really like Anne Boleyn, because she'd essentially destroyed the 25-year marriage of the true queen, Catherine of Aragon. Incest? No, no. Yeah, incest. I'm sorry, don't put your male shit on an innocent woman. Oh, I thought you were talking about me then I was like she, I haven't got a male agenda she said no no the king was a dick who yeah. wanted to get his jiggy on yeah he wanted a son incest incest so yeah when the whole trial was going down and people were being investigated and questioned and all this sort of thing and, and tortured to get this information essentially one of her um her, her handmaids was sort of like i saw her hugging and they were like being really close to her brother and they took that and was like incest oh, okay. but it was propaganda i think it, yeah it it, it it all kind of came across I as imagine none of these charges were true again None of it was sort of, yeah, none of it was really sort of proven. Yeah. It was all kind of people were tortured for this information. Okay. So there's a people's, theory, isn't and it? people say stuff under like, yeah. duress. That's so it, cool. that's it. So I think that was that sort of situation. Her ghost um, is seen at her birthplace in Blickling Hall in Norfolk. On the 19th of May, every anniversary of her beheading, she pulls up to the uh, Blickling Hall in a coach drawn by horses and also a headless horseman where she is seen in the carriage holding her own head on her lap, which is not creepy at all. As soon as the coach Very reaches... It is. It's really quite weird. Yeah. As soon as the coach reaches to the front of the house, um, it just vanishes. Oh, so, it blinks out of existence. Yeah, so she just pulls up with her head in lap and poof, How gone. How can people see it's her? I mean, I suppose there's only so many That's headless point, women... Actually. I suppose there's only so many headless women that are being associated with the place yeah, that you're living assume. with. Yeah, don't assume. <laughs> don't assume they can pass out of you and me. I like that. That's cute. Well, general Maybe consensus. they're actually riding up slowly because they're pulling into the castle, sorry. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really get the headless horseman thing. I mean, I, I know that she lost her head, but how the horseman lost his head is, 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 yeah, is a question that a I raised. Maybe out of sympathy. <laughs> I loved her I did so I chopped me it off <laughs> I just don't want you to feel isolated yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that one is a bit it is, yeah, it was a bit is there, is there any photographs or anything of these? No, I couldn't find any photographs of anything of this. Of this. It's, all, it's all kind of hearsay of the places that these are seen. So, again, you can kind of take that as a... Charlotte, what's my catchphrase? <laughs> Anecdotes aren't evidence. Yes, yeah. It, it can be a case of that. I only said Nick can't say, can't say the first word. <laughs> <laughs> English like, isn't I strong. Say antidotes. I mean, it's, it's close right enough. Word. It's close enough. It begins with an A, I get yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anne's father, Sir Thomas, said that uh, is said to be cursed for not stopping the death of his two children. So both oh. Anne and his brother was, and her brother was executed for this incest charge. Oh, oh right, so he okay. was done as well. Like... Yes, he was. So but his like collateral damage, maybe in the whole situation. Yeah, pretty much. They just wanted to eradicate the whole people in the whole situation, really. Mm. So nobody um, did camp like 
can't test it. Yeah. yeah. But Sir Thomas, because he kept quiet of it all, he's now said to be cursed. And because he essentially did watch the death of his two children because he was he was sort of locked up in the same sort of facility as they were. So and he probably heard it. Got coerced into saying Beauty or children slept together. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't chop my head off. Yeah, yeah. Well, to be a sir is appointed by the king so to keep your position you'd probably want to keep quite tight-lipped about yeah. anything yeah. that I must admit I, that threatens your position yeah I mean I'm gonna sort of, the reason why I came up with this subject this week guys is because I've been binge watching the um uh the tv drama the Tudors the Tudors yeah, yeah. is that Reese? no I couldn't tell you names I'm, I'm... that guy and the other guy yeah and them. Yes. and all those yeah both of them yeah absolutely okay, yeah. those actors okay. six of them oh right no way all six of the big actors were in it. Yeah, nice. all of them Good in one one area. Nice, I'm selling it. Samuel <laughs> Jackson in it. I like Samuel Jackson. I think this is the only film program that he's actually not in. Okay. <laughs> he makes a cameo at the background. Okay. He just walks in waving <laughs> and walks out. Motherfucker. And then. Walks. <laughs> I'm sick of these motherfucking planes in this motherfucking palace. No, I meant to say I'm sick of these motherfucking snakes in this motherfucking palace. Yeah, I mean... that was a career bad move. <laughs> snakes in the plane. Right. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, like um, I've been watching the Tudors at the moment. So um, as far as I could, uh, how they portrayed Sir Thomas at this point was he essentially was sort of like, I don't condone anything that my daughter and son have done. So he didn't deny nor confirm, but he was just like, I do not condone this, nor did he say anything to prevent any of this from happening. Yeah. So he essentially just let it carry on. He's now cursed, essentially, by not stopping the death of his two children, and he is seen, frantically seen, uh, crossing bridges in Aylsham, Buxton, Coltist Hall, Mayton, and Oxnead and Wroxham. Yeah, he's he's frantically seen everywhere. <laughs> um, and he's essentially sort of um, frantically sort of running from away from this, this the situation that he was presented with, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Quite a tragic... Coast. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Mm. At least he travels though. Yeah, he does get to see a yeah. fair part of South yeah. West. In his frantic way, absolutely. So, wife number three. What did she go from? Where did she, where, what happened Catherine to her? Of Jane she Seymour. Survived. No, she died. She, she died. died, yes. So, Jane Seymour, she um, was born on 1508 and she died on uh, 1537. She married um, King Henry. Uh, six days after the beheading of Anne Boleyn. So it was, you know, a quick turnaround. Put a ring on it again. Yeah, absolutely. He ain't playing. Well, no, he is playing, but... He is playing, but he's playing legally. <laughs> yes, he is, by his own rules. Yeah. This is the only wife of Henry that he'd supposedly loved, so he, he actually really kind of liked this lady. Probably due to the fact that she gave him a son who lived. So this is King Edward the Sixth. Who actually only lived to be his uh, in his teenage years, so he lived to be fifteen. Um, he became king at six. Oh, is he that old? Yeah, he I was... thought he died before he was fifteen. I thought I no. saw him maybe. He, he became king at six, and then he died at six fifteen. Sorry. Oh, so he was king for a reasonable amount of time. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't suppose that. how much I don't know how much you can do as king when you're six. I mean, I suppose that's a lot of advisors telling you what to do yeah. at that point. Well, there's been child rulers in history. The uh, Ptolemy, the the Egyptian king before Cleopatra was really quite younger he was he, yeah he was a boy four? king he was very young I can't yeah remember. but there's there remember. has been a few yeah but no I, I thought he died before that uh, before being like in his teens no no young. 15 jane seymour wasn't highly um, educated as the previous women that 
that, that came before her. But she was char she was charming, she was really lovely, she was calm and she just generally had a loving motherly nature and yeah. she was just a nice person. Postnatal complications, however, meant that she um that she died less than two weeks after the birth of King Edward the Sixth. Um so yeah, she, she died of complications, childbirth complications, yeah. essentially. She was actually the only um, the wife, the, the only wife of um, Henry VIII who actually had a funeral, and he went to town for this funeral, like oh. the whole shebang. So, and um, yeah, James, he, James Seymour was actually, um, he, he, again, he, was, he loved her that much that he was um, buried next to her oh, okay. uh, when he died as well. So, like, you know, true love and all that. Yeah. Mm. Except for the the rest of them <laughs> so yeah the ghost of jane seymour is seen roaming uh, hampton court palace searching for the baby that she left behind oh that's really sad yeah I she's he built hampton court palace didn't he henry the Ed? I think that so. was it is that right yeah he actually built that mm. it's quite a famous mm. stately ground yeah. in england yeah that's it and she is seen in white clutching candles as she walks the stairs around the anniversary of her son's birth and then she disappears at the top of the stairs at least she's not disturbing shit. She's just looking for no. a little boy. She is. It's very sad, but kind Sweet of... At the same time. Yeah. And wearing white, too. I mean, there's yeah. all connotations there. So, next up is Anne of Cleves. And she was... Divorced by Divorced. Yeah, there we go. We're I had to do episode. a count in my head. <laughs> I had to do a thing in my head, then. Yeah, so... <laughs> the clock's turning. <laughs> so, wife four was Anne of Cleves. She was born 1515 and died 1557. But she was married to Henry VIII in 1540. So Henry's marriage to Anne was quite forced. He didn't really, um, he, he really did not like her. Um, it, because it was such a, a sort of rushed marriage after Jane Seymour, she, he just really didn't was like the whole situation. Politically arranged. I yes, it. it was politically arranged. And we'll see sort of what politically arranging royalty marriage gets you in a second. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, he he just didn't like her. The marriage wasn't con consummated, and their um, marriage ended by divorce on the basis that the, that, that it wasn't consummated. So they didn't. Which is still in British law, isn't it? If you don't consummate a marriage, it's void. Yes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. However, they actually did later become friends when he kind of got all got over the fact that he had to marry and whatnot, and they did actually become friends. And and was, but she was accepting of their annulment, so she was kind of she she welcomed it essentially. Uh, she later became known as uh, the king's honourable family member, um, the king's beloved sister. So we actually really kind of loved her. Uh, it was platonic love instead yeah. of romantic. That's the one. So, Thomas Com Cromwell, the guy who arranged this marriage. Any related to any uh, relation to Oliver Cromwell? I don't think so. I did. I did wonder that, but I didn't see any kind of relation. Okay. So yeah, Thomas Cromwell, who arranged the marriage, was executed on the twenty eighth of July, fifteen forty, for the uh, the day that he married his next wife. I called it. Yeah. It was. <laughs> I said, did he die? <laughs> it did die. It didn't What's that, he die? Um... What's it called? Uh, 90 Day Fiancé Programme. Yeah. The what? 90 There's a programme called 90 Day Fiancé. They get set up by somebody. I think that should be an edge in that show. If they don't get married and be happy, they should be <laughs> The arranger should be executed. <laughs> that just to add an edge, I guess. It would, it would make good entertainment. I don't think it's allowed in modern time. I'd watch it. <laughs> not saying you wouldn't watch it. I just <laughs> don't think it would be allowed in modern times. Maybe in the future. Maybe we're not ready. We 
weren't ready back then, clearly, either, because <laughs> we stopped. <laughs> when we get to, like, the running man stage, and what's the other film? Oh, Death Race as well. Yeah. Death Race, yeah. Yeah. We'll get to that point, and then maybe. Maybe. <laughs> okay, so, wife number five, Catherine Howard. Oh, oh, sorry, I didn't say uh, before. So, the um, ghosty. Uh, pardon? The ghosty. The ghosty, yeah. So, Anne of Cleves, her ghost is actually the one of the only um, ghosts that are not seen, because it ended so, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no kind of ties. She had no ties to Henry, really, other than like they had this platonic love, and it was she's just she's just not seen. So she's just carried on and Mm. lived on. Okay. So yeah, wife number five, Catherine Howard. Sorry to interrupt. Do ghosts tend to arise because they're unhappy, or not ghosts, spirits? Yeah, because they still. I think from what I've read that they still have something that they need to complete yeah. in their, the, their life. Like unfinished business. What about yeah. ghosts then? If they're just recordings, why would it, a ghost replay? Because it's a traumatic every... moment that they can't finish that business. For example... So the, like the emotion was, was really yeah. high at that point. And or what something. was the person who was looking for her baby, sorry? Uh, that was uh, Jane Seymour. Jane Seymour mm. was looking for her child. Mm. And... That, that emotion of her baby, the joy of having that baby and then yeah. her death, yeah. that emotion of looking for her child over and over and over yeah. again wouldn't go. And you mostly find that these are on anniversaries as well, so when those emotions were the most high, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, Catherine of Howard, number five. What are we up to next on the poem? Death, beheaded. beheaded. <laughs> there we go. So Catherine Howard, she was born 1524 to 1542. She was married to Henry in 1540. So she was only sort of alive for two years after they were married. That's a bit grim. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, long, that's long-lasting love. Henry was a serial killer. No, he only killed two. There was only two, yeah. But he caused... And he personally didn't kill them. Four other people to die because they were well, so traumatised. By proxy, uh, no. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sure he killed many other people. I'm yeah, sure most monarchs killer. were serial killers. He was a king and did many battles. Mm. Serial killer. <laughs> Just because you fight in a battle doesn't make you a serial killer. <laughs> and kill people. It doesn't. You can't say that. I didn't say what? It doesn't. That's the problem. It's a completely different context. Take arms up for your country. It's a completely different context. Yeah, no, that, yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. You're on about him executing wife, people. Being executed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, he didn't do it personally, I'm sure. But he, he sent them. them yeah. To, it was yeah, his law. And Cromwell like, as well. Cromwell he, died. I thought to be a serial killer, you have to actually perform the act. So Charles no. Manson isn't classed as a serial killer. Charles Manson, no. But he ordered the act. Yeah. And, and it's, not just his, it's not just his wife, that he, obviously, because you've got the brother of What's-Her-Face, Anne that's Boleyn. three. And Thomas Cromwell. That's four. So that's He's a serial killer. Yeah, and obviously everybody that was involved in the, situ- the adultery situation of Anne, Anne Boleyn were all executed as well because they were... Okay, well, let's call him a serial killer by proxy. <laughs> yeah, we'll okay. go with that. That'll yeah. do. So, yeah, Catherine Howard, wife number five. That was a brilliant... Who got beheaded. Who was beheaded. So she was a teenage bride, um, first cousin to Anne Boleyn, so second wife. Hmm. Um, she was molested by her uh, wow. music teacher age 13. Yeah, we got real deep really quickly with this one. Um, by her music teacher age 13... That later became embroiled into an extramarital uh, affair with the secretary of her father's stepmother, who sent her away um, to um, the uh, Henry's court. Um, unclear whether it was consensual. So this all kind of came out. Probably not. 
No, I mean, back in those sorts of days, rape wasn't really a... Rape. Yeah, it wasn't really seen as rape. And at um, 13, you were normally married. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, exactly. But the fact is, it's quite weird that Anne Boleyn got her head chopped off. Yep. So did she, though, to be honest. And then her cousin got her head chopped off. I mean, Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of uh, upper-class families, it was a smaller pool at the time, either would all be related to each other. But it's quite common even now. Yeah. yeah, but it's quite common for royal families members to keep it in the family. To, to be married and actually be related to each other in yeah. some kind yeah. of. Yeah. Hence, you get like those. I can't remember what king it was, but there was definitely a king that had so much incest in his family that he was like he physically was a deformed. King. Yeah, 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 and he was like physically deformed from incest. Probably. <laughs> I think it was probably. along with Marie Antoinette. That'd be a Louis. It, it was definitely Louis, around that time. I can't remember the number. No, but yeah, there was definitely. This yeah. definitely happens. And that was that was um, that was um, cushioned in paintings as well. Yeah. What was sorry was? So like that deformity, it was very much sort what of played down in his portraits. Well, yeah, but what what deformity? He had like physical, so like um, you, like the he protruding a, tongue. Um, he had um, a drunken jaw. Yeah, uh, he had also had like um, lopsided legs as well. Yes. So like one was shorter Hence than the other. He was genetically men, fucked. Yeah. Pretty much. Hence yeah. why men used to wear high heels. Yeah. Although his was because very much mismatched. His feet. He used feet to wear it. high heels so he could match the height and be taller than others. Mm. Oh, okay. And then the French court started wearing high heels. What to appease him? But they would never be allowed to be taller than the king. Oh, okay. So, sorry, random well, history facts. The so small no, no, no. man syndrome, essentially. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Napoleon syndrome. I mean, yeah, they're both French, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. yeah there you yeah. go. Good to know. Did you know, talking about small men, that Charles Manson was only five foot two? He does look yeah. small in videos. Yeah. yeah, I always thought that he looks tiny. Yeah, I was, I was reading a book. I can't remember. You sure he was that small? Yeah, it was, I think it's the John Douglas book of A Killer Across the Table, and he mentions Charles's height as five mm. foot two, but from letters and conversations he heard, he always thought he was taller because of his self importance. Oh. But then walk, walking into the room, it's like, wow, you're actually really small. Okay. I knew he was short, I didn't know he was shorter than me. Wow, that is short. And I'm five foot four. <laughs> yeah. And he's quite a small he was quite a small frame yeah. guy as well. How did we get into yeah. Charles Manson? We were talking about Napoleon and okay. then it was yeah, like short Manson. Yeah, but Manson. Napoleon wasn't actually short, that was that was British propaganda at the time. Yeah. That wasn't really making yeah. out that he was short. He wasn't. He was another He was five he was foot average, four. Average, yeah, I think he was taller than that. Oh no. He was just an average height but the British purposefully made him shorter. Yeah, through for propaganda purposes. That's really interesting. So yeah. that whole thing is a complete myth, then. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Good to know. But it's stuck, Napoleon, Napoleon complex is stuck, hasn't it? Isn't yeah, it? it really has. Yeah. It worked. So they did their propaganda yeah. job properly. <laughs> it yeah. did. It did all right. So yeah, she was molested um, by a music teacher at age thirteen, um, and she was sent away from her uh, from her father's stepmother and sent to Henry's court. She actually started off as a as a handmaid, like. A, what do you want to call it? A, a lady's maid. Lady um, in waiting. Yeah, ladies in waiting for the previous queen. I don't, actually, I don't actually know what a handmaiden is. A handmaiden is somebody that will help you dress. Mm-hmm. A lady okay. in waiting is your companion. Yeah, she literally like does everything for yeah. you. A handmaiden will help like a ser- you. More of a servant, whereas a, a lady in waiting is more of a companion. Com- confidant friend. Yeah, a confidant friend, yeah. companion. It was so that a female in court would never be alone, so uh, that no male could them approach from, them. Uh, okay. mm-hmm. So I only Cap- know that from Rain, sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry. 
it, it was about Mary Queen of Scots. It was a TV show. Yes, oh, that's also a really good one as well. Yeah. So Catherine didn't really help situations when she started an affair with Henry's favourite courtier, Thomas Culpepper. Oh dear. So uh, Culpepper. Culpepper. Yeah, it's such a cool name. It's yeah. like very rolls off the tongue. Cool pepper. It's very British. It is really, actually. Um, so rumours of Catherine's promiscuity reached There's the, the word. It is. It's, it's in everywhere. Um, reached the Archbishop of Canterbury. Um, uh, no, Canterbury. What? <laughs> what? Have you never heard of that? No. The Archbishop oh, of Canterbury. What's that from? Lab Bible. Oh, oh that would be why I've not heard of it then. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Internets and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Thomas Culpepper, um, he was discovered and uh, about the past and um, present affairs. Uh, months after Henry's relationship started, uh, she was beheaded for high treason. So all of it kind of came out. The whole kind of molesting by her music teacher came out and didn't really help situations because, again, it wasn't seen as rape and she wasn't really seen as a... It wasn't seen as plausible, so it was just counted as a, an extramarital. And I'm guessing the, the chap who she was having an affair with was... Uh, dispatched as well. So, I I'm kind of going off of this uh, the TV drama that I um that I was watching. So, um, the past the the offendee actually came back into her life later on and tried to reap benefits from the whole situation of her being in court. Um, he was essentially sort of sent away. Oh, he was not, he wasn't killed. No, because yeah, it was it it was pre it was pre her wedding. It was pre being no, married no, to no, Henry. No, no, not the music teacher. Oh, oh, the one she was having. Oh, Culpepper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's yes. seven. Yeah, that's another one. Serial killer by proxy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was our king. Wait. <laughs> Queen Elizabeth's just as bad. I mean, she's I'm probably scared. Thousands Don't slander. Of, thousands of. Can we not? <laughs> she's, she's I am a royalist through and through. She makes a fabulous bobbing head, though. Yes. Have Did you she? not seen the, the merchandise of the royal family and Lizzie as a bobbing head? There's a lot of tat out there, yeah. I'm yeah. Sure. I, don't, I don't deny it. It's cute. Don't deny it's, it. cute. It's, it's really cute. Is it hammer. cute? Yes. Little Lizzie. Little Liz. Okay, next. <laughs> this one. The ghost. Yeah. So her ghost. Um. She was actually buried at the Tower of London, um, but she is still said to haunt Hampton Court Palace. It is said that when Catherine was under house arrest, when it was all kind of being um, investigated, she broke free and ran down the hall screaming after the king. Don't blame her. Yeah. Um, you can, her, she was very young, so you can just imagine like this child absolutely fearing for her life, being like, No, Henry! What are you doing? Yeah. Um, her ghost is said to still run down the, that hallway called the Haunted Gallery, um, still screaming after the king. Um, in the 1990s, so this was like a separate sort of occasion, two separate women uh, who were having a tour of the, of the, of the palace um, fainted um, in the same spot that Catherine did at the end of her run and faint, basically. She swooned. Yeah. Well, she didn't swoon. She was just like fearing for her life, yeah. I guess. It's still called swooning. Is it? No, swooning's where you... Um, like swoon uh, after somebody. Like yeah, it's like when you're trying to attract catch somebody's someone. attention, isn't it, when you swoon? Yeah. yeah, I get you. Um, so, yeah, so um, her kind of um, energy is felt by not only people who work there, but people go, go visit as well, and it kind of essentially takes over them. Can you imagine if you work there and you see somebody, like a newbie starts, and they're like, 
Somebody was just running down the corridor. Yeah. Oh, it's just Catherine ignore it. Yeah, don't worry about it. It's just old Catherine Howard. She's just worried about her. being beheaded again. Bless her cottons. Is it that time Has she got her head already? or is she headless like the other one? Uh, she's got her head in when she's oh. running down. Yeah, can as you imagine as like, the employee that's been there for years? Oh, is it that time of year again? <laughs> well, that pretty much happens with most of these. It's all yeah. anniversarial. So, anniversarial? Is that a word? Sounds right. I mean, it is now. Anniversarial? Yeah, anniversarial. You just say anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's also very acceptable. <laughs> I like the first one better. Yeah, it sounds convincing. Anniversarial. <laughs> yeah. But extra syllables. Just for the fuck of it. That's how English I am. <laughs> That's what we do best. It makes you sound important. Uh, a portent uh, uh. Yeah. A portent Leah. A portent Leah. <laughs> We're just going on all night. We're just adding extra syllables. A portent Leah ness. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so last and final wife. What did she do? Survived. She did indeed. She is the classic and first case she, of I survived. She's like yeah. um, Katniss Everdeen in the Hunger Games. No. What? She did, yeah. What do you mean, no? She survived. <laughs> there is actual real people that you can use that did more no, than Katniss, Katniss Everdeen ever did. <laughs> this is like Royal Hunger Games. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good analogy, actually. I'll give you that. I mean, yeah, the same amount of people died. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Catherine Parr, she was born 1512 and died 1548. She was married to Queen... No, King. <laughs> she was married to the Queen. She was very progressive first for her time. <laughs> <laughs> Is she the first lesbian of the United Kingdom? Yes. You go, Catherine. Yeah, so, um, yeah, she was married to King Henry um, in 1543. So, yeah, like, not very long after Catherine no. Howard. She married Henry four months after the beheading of the last um, queen. So. At least there was a little bit of time between that I one. mean, yeah, a bit of breathing space. She outlived Henry by a year. That's good going. Yeah, only by a year. Not though. really. But still, she had a year of freedom. She mm. did indeed, and she was well. still queen at that point. Um, she went on to marry another Henry, as well as two ex-husbands, making her the most married queen of England in history. Were the other two husbands called Henry as well? Because she seems like she's got a type. <laughs> as much as I would have loved that, I don't think so I saw she was married Henry. before she married Henry? Yeah, she had two yeah. ex-husbands, and then she married Henry, and then she married another Henry after that, so she had four husbands altogether. Wait, what happened to the first two husbands? Um, did they die? I'm going to assume so. I couldn't find anything as to what specifically happened to them, but obviously she Maybe was not she with was them at the time. Widow. Ooh. She killed Henry because she was like, "I'm sick of you killing all these girls. I'm gonna kill you." Like my ex two husbands. Yeah. Why are you? Why are you doing mm-hmm. that voice? Why are you doing that shoulder thing? Yeah, like the head tilty thing. Yeah. We really were then. No. It doesn't require that. <laughs> you required. did not say. You did not go there. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> you can so tell it's getting late. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. So Catherine Parr, she out, she, she outlived him by a year. She went on to marry um, another Henry and became the most married. Yeah, became the most married queen in history. Uh, she was also the first to rule over England and Ireland as well. Oh, okay. So she she made some headway. Yeah. Um, she was close to being held for treason. Um, uh, uh, so when when she was uh, when Henry was alive, uh, she was uh, seen as a Protestant sympathizer, um, and. Anti-Protestant officials tried to turn the king against her and plotted her arrest. So, like, they full-on had... They were they were ready to arrest her. They had the shackles in their pocket. Yeah, like, they were ready. 
Um, but after she essentially had it out with Henry, Henry was pretty much kind of like, okay, I'm over this now. You, it's, I trust you. <laughs> Wait, um, she was she was an anti-Protestant. No, she was she was a Protestant sympathizer, and so anti-Protestants would... officials tried to. But but Henry was a Protestant. <clears throat> No, Henry it was Church of England. Yeah, which is Protestantism. No, that's later. No, Protestantism is the Church of England. It's the Reformation. The Reformation was a Protestant. Maybe she was. Maybe it's the other way around. Then. Do you mean she was a Catholic, a sympathizer? No, like I'm pretty sure it was. It was that because hold on, because like I've got my, I've got my, I've, I've, I've got my. Let me just triple check this thing, guys. Yes. Where did you get all this research from? Yeah, this is it. So all of this, so all of my um, research essentially has been from um, the, the specific people where they're where the where they've been seen. So the their last final places have oh, essentially the homes yes, they've essentially sort of released the the kind of uh, the facts about them. So numerous different websites. And then you've got the Tudors, obviously, as well. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Catherine Protestant sympathizer. Yeah, yeah. Protestant sympathizer and anti-Protestant. Thank you, Wikipedia. Yeah, no, no, that's what I'm on. Yeah, um, and anti-Protestant officials who sought to turn the king against her. That doesn't make sense because Henry was a Protestant. I'm gonna show you. Look yeah, no, words. no, I'm not doubting it. It's just, uh, <laughs> well, maybe there was some. Oh, I think people within the the the, the royal household were still had Catholic sympathies, so they okay. wanted to turn uh, the king against her because of that. Ah, uh, okay, okay, that would make sense though. Wasn't okay. that, that Henry was pissed off that she was an anti-Protestant. Uh, yeah. Sorry, a, a Protestant. It was very much the house kind of turning her, uh, trying to get her at this point because Henry was very much sort of, I don't want to, like, essentially it was dropped because Henry was very much kind of like, I haven't got the energy for this. So it was yeah. dropped. He had a lot of syphilis at the time. <laughs> yeah, there was that too. But also, like, um, Henry actually, uh, like, one of the, one of his injuries was um, he had um, he had a very bad hunting accident. So mm. he had, like, a, a great big laceration on his leg that became ulcified and and was just gammy in every kind of way and gangrenous and stuff. Sorry. So that didn't help. Going back to what Nixia said. Yeah. Uh, Henry VIII was defender of the faith of the Church of England. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't until Henry's son, Edward VI, what's that? Six became king. That yep. he turned the Church of England Protestant. Oh, I thought it was Protestant from the outset. No, it was its own church. Oh, okay. There you Fair go. And then because of obviously Edward's affiliations yeah. with the different like the Protestant religion. Okay, so it was a separatist church before it became, it became Protestant. Protestant. Okay, there we go. Makes sense. Okay. Sorry, I was googling it. Yeah, no, it's good to know. So, uh, yeah, so the whole kind of um, the whole king's advisors plotted against her. They had the the shackles in hand essentially, and then she kind of made it up with Henry, and it was dropped. So she went on to have a baby with her new husband Thomas Seymour, Jane Seymour's brother. Funnily enough, wow, um, they really are keeping it in. Yeah, it's it's good to have. Um, what is it, nobility and stuff? yeah. Incest. No, where you are. Small genetic pool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then died several days later due to sus- uh, a suspected childbed fever. Oh, okay. Basically, she got a preeclampsia. Yeah, that sounds convincing. Sorry, what? Childbed fever is preeclampsia. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. There you go. What's, I don't understand what childbed fever is. Childbed fever is a disease that women of the Tudor Elizabeth, Elizabethan times used to get. Modern times we call it preeclampsia. It's when the womb and the vagina cannot stop bleeding and you basically bleed out. Okay. Because your blood is too thick that it can't clot. It happened to uh, 
uh, Darth Vader's mother in Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> I like Princess Padme. Padme. Padme, yeah. Padme, yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah. So, yeah. I like how we have to reference something so you get it. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it relatable. I like yeah. it. <laughs> so yeah, she died um, of childbirth. Her ghost is seen to... Um, uh, seen to haunt Sudley Castle and is loved by staff. She's seen walking through the gardens and looking out um, from the inside. She wears Tudor green and smells of apples. I mean, that's lovely. So that's actually a quite sweet ghost to see, not a scary ass Yeah, ghost. No. and she's well, loved. Well, it's not for you out. Nah, I mean, no, yeah. I smell apples. It's pretty up on you. Yeah. That's all Catherine again. But she's said to be looking for her only daughter, Mary, who was said to have died at a young age due to her disappearance of historical records. So there wasn't really much um, said or documented about her. Was she just Mary kind of. Henry's daughter? No, she was. Uh, Either husband one or two. She was, hus- she was Henry after. Oh, okay. So Henry after, yeah. Henry she went after on, Henry. Yeah, she went, on, she went on to have a baby with her new husband, Thomas Seymour James, the James brother. So, oh. yeah. It was. So, yeah. um, so after Henry died, Britain became a lovely place and we lived happily ever after. I mean, yeah, except for Bloody Mary, but hey-ho, we can just... Queen Elizabeth and <laughs> just... Charles. No, the Civil War. The Civil War. Yeah, we, we, we did a lot of shit. We've, we've had a checkered oh, past. Yeah. No, we haven't. But sorry, hey, it makes good stories. We're sorry. We're sorry, guys. It makes good stories. We're not makes sorry for anything. You're not, I am. There's no need sorry. for us to be dicks. It makes us. It makes good stories, though. Yeah, good for the yeah. stories, not yeah. for the life. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's there's not nothing to really go on in terms of evidential um, no. material in those, but yeah, it's I all like documents. History. Yeah, yeah. Like history. So it was interesting from that point yeah, of view. Definitely. So I just I threw some knowledge at you. The, the oh fuck to bullshit. Script. No, there's no. Yeah, really I just think on, that was it? really interesting. So thank you very much. You are very welcome. Takes a bell. Yeah. So yeah. I think That's yeah. Today's episode, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Ooh. Any um. No, no, no. Is that it? I wanted to listen to more horror and gore. No. Let them carry on with their day. If they want to find us, they can find us on Facebook at Crime Clips and Coffee Podcast, Twitter at CCNC Podcast, Instagram at. Crime underscore creeps underscore and underscore coffee underscore podcast. If they want to listen to more, they can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Castbox, and all podcast apps. But for now, before she interrupts again, I think we should say goodbye. Bye!